0: Hey everyone, before we get into That's What G Said Podcast, I want to let you know about one of our sponsors, that's Sarah Candle Company. Their website is sarahcandles.com. They have a really good Mother's Day deal going on right now. If you buy one candle, you get the second candle, 33% off. So go right now, check it out. If you're someone that likes candles, it's a great opportunity. You get a couple. These are not just your normal candles that you're going to find anywhere else. They are 100% soy wax. They've eliminated all of those toxins, all of those pollutants, all of those carcinogens because they have soy wax. And because of the wicks that they use, they're actually able to burn 30 to 50% longer than the, the paraffin wax candles that you see in all of the, the bigger companies. I know these people personally. Um, I love these candles. I've been using them now for the last few months. They are excellent. Sarah. Candles.com. C E R A candles.com. Go check them out. One of my favorite scents is Fresh Roses. They also have a Delmar scent. I mean, tons of different uh, scents, sizes for you to choose from. This is a small business, so give them some support right now. Get something nice for one of your uh, mothers, one of your uh, uh, friends, one of uh, a pet mother, an aunt, uh, someone that you know in your family that would uh, enjoy one of these candles. Check them out. SarahCandles.com. Friday, May 8th. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of That's What G Said Podcast. We have uh, one of those bounce-all-around shows for you. We're going to do some quick little uh, news in the NFL, MLB, NBA. We're going to jump into some horse racing for Tampa. A couple races in the middle of the card that I like for Saturday. Gulfstream Park, they're going to have that Rainbow Six mandatory payout. So we're going to go through the last six races on the Gulfstream Saturday card. Wrestling with Chad Cooper We recap All Elite Wrestling Dynamite from this week We recap NXT and then we preview Money in the Bank this weekend coming up Gonna be a real fun, interesting WWE show Where they're going to film a couple of ladder matches from the corporate offices This should be at least something different Kind of a a spectacle to take a look at Then we go back in time, we recap Wrestlemania 14 1998 Stone Cold Steve Austin versus Shawn Michaels in the main event The Undertaker versus Kane So much to talk about on a Really good show Andrew Champagne Darren Zocali join me and then we'll close Things out with a little Billions talk just a a Quick recap and some thoughts on Episode 1 from season 5 of Billions So We get started Just a Bouncing around with some news. The NFL schedule is out. 2020 schedule has been released. Next week, going to do a full schedule deep dive where we go through, you know, talk about each team, what it looks like, some of their major, real important games. Just um, some things to look at. Kicks off with the Texans hosting the Chiefs on Thursday, September the 10th on NBC Thursday night football and then you get that Monday night football doubleheader it's going to be the Steelers at the Giants and then the Titans at the Broncos the Patriots look to have the hardest schedule that's the Patriots without Brady and the Ravens look to have the easiest schedule this is according to ESPN stats and info so next week Look forward to a deep dive into the schedule. We'll go through each team. We'll you know, talk about some of the betting lines that are already opened up for Week 1. We'll go over what some of these teams' over-unders look like, where they should win, where they shouldn't, some future lines, all sorts of things. So look forward to that next week. Unfortunate news for Giannis Antetokounmpo, the Greek freak. He was hacked. Uh, not only his social media accounts were hacked, but uh, we heard from some of his family that his Twitter, phone, email, and bank accounts were hacked. And um, lots of weird stuff tweeted out, and it, it's gross, and and just you know, you, you always know when something weird shows up that that there was probably someone that was hacked. So, bummer for uh, for Giannis, as uh, hopefully I mean access to. Giannis' bank account and information that's not, that's not good for them So I'm sure they're uh, Getting this worked out So the new The newest news from baseball They are hoping To return to play Now and this is what their newest from Their new proposals are This is from the Jeff Passan article They um, Teams have begun to encourage players to prepare for spring training That could begin in mid-June and a season that could start in early July the ownership's approval is needed of this in, spec- in a lot of specifics, but general managers and managers from at least a dozen teams have reached out to players to suggest that they ramp up baseball activities um, To and those familiar with the conversations, um, told, uh, including executives, players, and agents, told ESPN. Teams have suggested that players prepare for a spring training that could begin as early as June 10th and that could begin July 1st. So they... L- Seem to think that, that they're going to be ready to play Soon, albeit without fans So dozens of players are working Out at team facilities around the country And the possibility of holding 3 or 4 weeks Spring training at team's home stadiums Appeals to the stakeholders They thought about I am quarantining all players in Arizona Or using 3 to 5 city hubs to hold Game, but now there's momentum towards the league Trying to play games in home Stadiums So The this is again going through that uh, article from Jeff Passon uh, the complications are if a coronavirus breakout out in the city or the risk added by traveling but the logistical concerns aren't as bad as they would be with the building of hubs um, player representatives have been sending union updates to the union's rank believe the union to be more receptive to such a, a plan because players could spend half their games at home and with their families so this doesn't mean it's anything for sure but players, you know, have to agree to be. Uh, pro, uh, players agreed to be paid a prorated portion of their salaries, and, it, you know, the owners are are still going to try to get, you know, get even a better deal on that. So. The question is, you know, that they ask, what happens if a player tests positive, and. multiple officials and players have expressed reservation about negotiating an agreement as the country reopens Um, fearful that by the time the beginning of June rolls around the climate for the game to return might not be as welcoming so the look of the game and the season will be determined that any agreement between the league and the union um, like an agreement is likely to include contingency plans going forward And many officials fear a second wave of coronavirus cases that health officials have forecast and believe that instead of planning to play in late November with an expanded playoff system, MLB would be better suited to play a shorter season that gives the league a greater likelihood of avoiding complications. So they're kind of looking at everything now, but I guess now, you know, we heard a few weeks ago, it was the Arizona plan. Then it was maybe playing in like three to five different cities And now it seems like they're wanting to play in their own cities, but that's where the travel could could get a little tricky. Okay, let's talk a little horse racing for the Saturday. I'm going to go to Tampa for Saturday, and then we'll go over to Gulfstream. We'll talk a little bit about uh, some of that Rainbow Six and some of the horses in that sequence. So let's start over at Tampa, get your past performances out for Tampa and let's flip to race number three on Saturday May the 9th Um, a couple horses uh, that I I like in here I think the one you want to include from the inside stretching back out this is a sharp horse who should be you know pretty tough to run down in here really really consistent overall inside draw give the one a look in, in all of your exotics the three Zitman is very logical And probably the one they'll all have to hold off At the level And then the 7 uh, was the other one that I looked to And that's Honest to Goodness Who if you put a line through the two back effort Which is just probably in against a, a little too tough against those first level allowance company I think he fits Really nicely here I hope he doesn't get get a little too far back But he should come running on at least So 1, 3, and 7 uh, The horses that we would use in race number 3 In some of those exotics and we move to race number four. The four-horse Papa's Place. Debuting against Maiden Special Weights. Going long, the race was taken off of the turf. And Papa's Place is going to try the turf for the first time. Has five winning turf siblings. Drops in for Maiden Special Weights. I think he's going to improve a ton in here. Papa's Place. Um he's worthy of a win wager if you get like half of uh, of his morning line i think like five to one six to one or so is is fair in there the number five atlas moon to me looks like the one to hold off dropping in from against much tougher the last start out you can just put a line right through that was a race on the main track he just didn't get get over the racetrack at all so just put a line right through it And the seven mozano who was third last time out after showing the uh the way uh, a bit he, he kind of battled head and head early and he put away the other speed he opened up but he, he ended up getting a a little tired late and he fades if he finished third his turf race was against better it's tough to gauge and it's only it was the you know only turf race he's had but this isn't the strongest group in the world so he's probably one to include in the mix and um you know the 10 hey hey my my if few I'm okay with with playing against this horse if you want to go a little deeper. um, You know, feel free to use this one. The fifth race. I'm going to go... So, the fifth is probably the strongest opinion of the the Tampa races for Saturday. And I'm going to start with the seven. And Moonlit Sea. And in particular, let's look at her last two races so two starts back on January the 5th she moves into contention on the rail but she sort of hesitated she doesn't really didn't really hit the hole strong enough and it was not a bad effort and she's behind next not winning my girl Annie who won uh, for 10000 and then just beat optional 16 first level allowance company and in her last two starts Moonlit Sea drew the rail she gets off the rail sprinting drawing the rail with the horse with her running style isn't great because then she kind of gets shuffled down on the inside much better when she's drawn towards the outside in a spot like this because you know last out she draws draws the rail slow start and then she's stuck inside she's shuffled she ends up last she angles to the outside and it's a solid sustained rally but all that ground that she lost early on was what hurt it was better than looks she wasn't far out of third and the runner-up came back to win next out for 10. And five of the horses that are in this race today were in that race, so including Moonlit Sea. And she was not far behind Alluring Appeal, who I also include in here. Super consistent. I think if you're playing that like you know, that pick-four sequence or any of the uh, exotic sequences, this is one you probably want to include also. The five um, looks like the speed in here. So for me those are the the three and, and then I guess what you know if you're if you're playing them and you're playing some kind of like exactus tries supers the one I wouldn't completely dismiss but I'm gonna take a little uh, swing with the seven here on top if we can get about six to one or so that's worthy of a win wager on moonlit C. And then in race number six, the one. Super logical. Getting back to the turf, the four probably the one they'll have to beat in here. On the drop, the six. If you're looking for a bust out long shot, like there's some there's something interesting about this. Like she was sharp last we saw her. She's gonna take another shot on the turf. Gallardo jumps aboard. We haven't seen her though since last July. Now into a new barn. Something a little sneaky about the six. But the 8 will be the top selection. I dream of Lois. She was close up early. And then she was about 4th, 5th on the inside. She gets stuck behind horses. It's another one of those races where you look at paper and it just looks eh. But, but it was better than it looks. And it was n- not far out of 3rd that day. And it was against better. That was her first start since October. She has every right to improve in here. If she's 7-2, to two, we'll make a win wager on the 8. I dream of Lois. So... If in the third race, if you play a pick one of those pick fours or any kind of rolling exotics, I would use one three seven with four five seven. if you want to use the ten uh, with seven ten with one four six eight, then maybe another pick four something like one three seven with four seven with one five seven ten with one four eight. in the third race the the one fourth design. In the 4th race, the 4, Papa's Place. In the 5th race, really like the 7, Moonlit Sea. And in the 6th, the 8, I Dream of Lois. That is Saturday over at Tampa. Let's get you to Gulfstream Park where they're going to have a mandatory payout in that rainbow pick 6 on Saturday. And uh, get your past performances out for Saturday, May 9th, Gulfstream Park. And the pick 6 sequence is going to start in race number 7. Um, I'm going to spend more time on the late pick four, but I will just mention a couple horses in, um, in the first two legs. I'm really high on full of humor in race number seven. I think he's going to take a, she's going to take a nice step forward here. She has some speed. She can set off a little bit. So I'm expecting her to run a big one and, and I might be, um, trying to use, you know, her and envied and maybe getting away with those two. Um, in the opening leg So for me, maybe 5-9 To kick things off And then in race number 8 It will be A 16 non 2 claimer In the 5-Louis Kingdom You hate horses like this, right? Claim for 30 You're in for 16 And you claimed off of Navarro And, you know, unfortunately We know the news about Navarro recently And that a lot of these horses were getting you know pumped with things and and we just don't know how these horses are going to respond next time they're out when they're running in for different connections and different programs and they're running healthy but this is a barn that does really well for start off the claim and if louis kingdom is even anything close to uh, to where he was at his best he should be really really tough in here but the uh, the you're not gonna like love playing him He's just one of those horses that you probably don't want to let beat you in a mandatory pick-six-payout sequence like this. Um, the 7 is another one on the drop. But to me, the the eight's the play. Uh, he tried the grass last time out off the really, really long layoff. He hadn't raced since July of 2018. He had to have needed that race. Needed that race. Now you get a little drop. You come back to the dirt where he ran really well over a racetrack where he ran really well. You get the blinkers on. This was a horse who wasn't some big purchase price to begin with, so it's not like him being at this level has some sort of a red flag. The eight uh, reserve not attained is going to be the top selection there. So he's the one horse who maybe you could get a little separation in uh, in this field that has a couple, you know, class droppers that you just you don't get excited about using. In the ninth race, it's a stakes race, so we'll go through this race a little uh, a little deeper. Sand Dancer just looks overmatched, um, stepping up and not in the best of form. The three L Tormento is going to be my top selection in here. So he takes the blinkers off after not running well, but he he had some trouble that day. He was a step slow from the outside. He gets hooked five wide and bumped going into the first turn. Then he's three wide. Um, He goes all the way up to the lead, but he's losing ground just wide all the way around. That doesn't work on the grass. We see it work on the dirt sometimes, but you can't get a wide trip like that and win on the grass. And that was his first start since a pretty solid six in the Breeders' Cup mile when he was only beaten you know, four and a half lengths that day. Now he takes the blinkers off. He's going to go second start off the bench. This is a multiple graded stakes winner. He has some speed. He can sit off. Expecting a much better effort from him today. That's the 3L Tormenta. The 4Aquaphobia. Last time out, in that race at Fairgrounds, he was 42-1, to 1, but he was 4th. And he was chasing a horse who was lone speed that day. And it was a strong race. He ended up finishing in front of Synchrony, Instilled regard, channel maker All real quality horses He broke well from the inside He settled, he was 5th you know, 6th, he was about 4 or 5 lengths off He was saving ground But he was in a bit tight, he sat nicely He angled around, he was in between horses He's got dead aim at the top of the lane He gets up to about 2nd Before tiring, and he's chasing that Lone speed winner This is a multiple stakes winner, he's in good hands now He's going to be making his 3rd start for maker He's won, you know, one of those two races so far, and then he, he had a good effort against better la, uh, last time out. Irad Ortiz jumps aboard. Plenty to like about Aquaphobia. The five Coulomb Road multiple graded stakes placed. He fits from a class perspective, but we have some questions. Um, he, he hasn't raced since November. Now he's going to come into a barn that's not necessarily the best with... Brand new horses Maybe they take a few To get familiar with them And not greatest Awful long layoffs The six Holiday Is a major player in here He went He was second early But then he kind of Decided to clear off And go on with it For the lead He was handled like The best horse But he's by no means A need, a need the lead horse He should be forwardly Placed in here If somebody else Wants to get aggressive And go take the lead Though he can sit Sharp and uh, he's on the come up with Hawkish last we saw him something would have missed and I don't like when he was off from May to October and then you race it's not good and then you're gone from October now to May to me I'm just going to be watching if he beats me it's going to be a great training job Regally Irish Seems a bit overmatched Even if he improves a ton in his second start in 2020 It would probably not be good enough To compete with the top ones in here Social Paranoia Is one of the deserving favorites He He's looking for his third in a row And Last time out he had a good start But he He didn't want to deal With some of the tight quarters He was in kind of a bunch in, in some traffic So he ends up taking back, he was dead last I mean, He's like 10 plus off of it He angles around widest of all with a big, late, wide rally. He's another that rarely runs a bad race, and he he deserves to be a top contender in here. Highland Sky is probably using this as a prep, because he's best going a little bit longer. He hasn't been shorter than a mile and an eighth since March 2018. April two thousand or well, April two thousand eighteen when he was going a mile and an eighth and then March he he went a mile. And I mean that was thirteen starts ago. He's multiple graded stakes place. He could be on the scene late for a minor award. The one to beat's probably admission office. He always gives a pretty darn good account of himself too and you can just pick out the one poor race and that was in the Pegasus World Cup turf when he was a big price and that was you know one of the tougher groups he's ever faced we last saw him on February the 29th he was 7th early, he was 2 deep, he was you know, 10 lengths off and he makes this early 3 wide move up to take the lead at the top of the lane but then Zulu Alpha was moving right with him Zulu Alpha, the top older turf horse right now and Admission Office really battled on well this is a great spot for him. He was a clear-cut second. He ran a winning race last time out. If he runs that kind of race again in here, he crushes this field. The problem is I've chased this guy a few times and this is one of those races where it feels like he, you know, if he's too short of a price, does he get stuck? Does he get in some trouble? He, to me, I'm using him in all exotics and especially in the pick 6. And I'll I'll place him second. And then what do you do with uh, with War of Will? You know the Preakness winner from last year. I think War of Will this year will be a good turf miler. Will it be in this start? In a pretty tough group, where he's got post twelve and he hasn't raced since November the second. The way he 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 his running style is, where he's really naturally fast. He doesn't really want to sit. He kind of wants to. Show some speed. He can kind of take him back a little bit, but then he wants to move early on into the race. That's that's perfect for the mile on the turf. And so if if he if he ends up being a turf miler this year, that's fine. But in his first start, parked wide, going a mile and a 16th, maybe even a little bit more, you know, a little more distance to deal with here. The real question with him is what price is he going to be? He's listed as 10 to one on the morning line. I think he'll probably be somewhere more like seven to two, three to one, um, and then there's probably going to be the overreaction because people see that he's ten to one on the morning line. So, if for some reason he is ten to one or, or around there, then sure, you in, you include him. But this just feels like a bad line. The way I approach this race, I've got El Tormenta, an admission office, Halliday. Those are my top yeah, social paranoia, aquaphobia. So Tormenta, Admission So we'll go um, With The Three, El Tormenta Admission Office The number Eleven, who's you know Probably the one to beat in here Holiday is going to be tough to exclude from all exotics That's the six The nine, Social Paranoia Looking for a third consecutive win And then Aquaphobia What's wrong with what Aquaphobia has done recently Another one who should offer you really nice value And a good opportunity in here That's the four And then what do you do with with War of Will Let's move on to race number 10 At Gulfstream Battle of Blenheim you have to start with Looks like the one to beat Showed some speed in between horses um, last time out Got to the rail Shook clear at the top of the lane Got ran down but was a clear cut second Is the one to beat But it's going to have to deal with, you know, Extra Extra, Sublime Appeal, Strong One. I think enough other speed in here that I'm I'm okay with not using um, Battle of Blenheim. Let's talk about some of the ones that we will be including in here. And it's going to begin with the number 11, Shooting the Breeze. Okay, he's over 10 on the turf. But look at those turf races. Let's dig into them. Okay Debut he's behind a next out winner Then he he wins in a race that's taken off the grass In his second start Comes back in his third start Finishes behind a thread of blue That's a millionaire Fourth career start Comes back Finishes behind next out winner Clint Maroon Yeah that's his stakes winner After that he hooks a Dream Archulet That's a grade 3 winner Award winner Is grade 3 placed Who is also in that race They both come out of there to win next out You see English B a couple times. That's a graded stakes winner. We're talking about a horse who in six of the ten turf races he's had, he's faced next out winners. Much tougher races. So he raced on October the 11th at Keeneland and then he was off until March the 21st. Came back at Gulfstream Park. He was fifth early on he was in the two path. He was about four or five lengths off. And then he gets caught in between horses. He loses a little ground. But he's still right up into contention in the early stretch before tiring. It's his first start since October. Now you get six weeks off. But you got that race under your belt. So you got a little more fitness. And even in that last start, he lost to a horse named Golden Tappet who's two for two on the turf. I just love the races that he comes out of he's going to you know, improve with this race under his belt and then you get Joel Rosario jumping aboard so you, you should get a big uh, jock upgrade here with the 11 shooting the breeze Gray's Fable, the 8 I'll use in, in most of the exotics I think he's got a little bit of talent and he showed speed last time out so he, I think at least we'll keep Battle of Blend, I'm honest but he might have enough speed to press, kind of sit behind him and and go by and maybe get first jump on some of the deeper closers in here. He does not need the lead. Gray's Fable will be using the 8 in the exotics. The 9, Honey Won't. Last time we saw him was on April the 11th. It was his first start in a few months. He pressed just off Battle of Blankenheim and Mellow Blenheim. <laughs> and he ends up getting caught in between horses. He fades early. But in this race, he won't have to have those same tactics. I don't think he'll have to be the one that's pressing early, and he might be able to, to get a better trip sitting off the pace. And then the two has kind of a bust out long shot, stealth. The horse is going to be trying the turf for the first time, I don't think there are any monsters in here. They've been working on the grass a little bit. There's plenty of gr- of turf in the pedigree. Kind of like mixed signals here, but when you have a horse, it's going to be a big price. There should be some not, not everything is going to be a positive. So for me, the 11 shooting the breeze, the 8 gray's fable, the 9 honey won't, the 2 stealth if you're looking for a long shot and you know, the obviously the one that they're going to have to beat in here. Is the 6th the Battle of Blenheim. But I'm okay if you uh, if you want to go elsewhere. We move on to race number 11. What a tough, tough Florida bread race this is. For uh, optional claimers. Not first level allowance. So. You get. Tap It to Win. Who. He broke his maiden against open. This is the first time he's facing statebred company. He broke his maiden in his second start against uh, open company at Saratoga, and then he was only three to one in the Grade One Breeder's Futurity. And then he tried another stakes race going long. So you can make legitimate excuses for, you know, his his two races going long, and he comes back to a sprint where he should be able to sit. You have All Fight Dempsey. Who was really impressive in his debut winning. And then in his second start, he went a little longer. He went seven furlongs and he had to work to get the lead. He was inside of a couple others that ended up pressing him. They went, you know, sub 45 to the half mile it, and it ended up doing him in. And he fades late to finish fourth. Now he gets that big cutback, but he's going to have to deal with the one who has some speed. You know, September 10, unpublished, isn't exactly slow. Wouldn't be a surprise to see Tappic to win Close to the lead if he's fresh off the bench And What about our Mercedes boy is more of a presser But he's not exactly slow And then you have the 7 haunted by the music Who you know he's not slow Vincero if he wants he can show A little bit of speed and you have Whiskey Sunrise who's probably going to be right on the engine I just don't think it's going to be that easy For all fight Dempsey in here There's other ways to go Our Mercedes boy He Was a runner up in a pretty similar spot Last time out He was a close up third early He was pressing He moved to battle early And then he was four across the racetrack He actually has his nose in front at the top of the lane Before he ends up fading a little bit He should eat a great trip Sitting a few lengths off the pace in here He has every right to be more fit Second off the the four month break Maybe he'll be a little more relaxed And not quite as fresh and, And wanting to get on the engine But for me, the top selection is going to be Vincero. Okay, so let's go through hit recently. This is a seven-time winner on the dirt. He loves Golf Park. He's won four races here. He's, he always runs very well here. But his last two starts, they've been on an off racetrack. So he's fifth, he's seventh. You can make legitimate excuses for them. Sloppy racetrack, good racetrack. Just put a line through those starts. Let's go back to January the 17th. That's against open first level allowance optional 35s. He's behind a horse named Sniper Shot, who was a heavily favored one to two Todd Pletcher that day. All five horses in the field went for the lead, and he ends up, you know, dropping back in between horses. He sits behind them, and he 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 comes on again. He re rallies, but it just took him a little bit to get going. He ends up just missing 2nd that day The race looks a lot better than when you just look at first glance Prior to that, on December the 26th, he won in an optional 25 first level allowance That was against Open Company Look at the race on the last time he was in against state Statebreds He won in November He's coming out of some of the better races in here His form is a little hidden because he's been on the off track in the last couple starts He likes the trip, he likes Gulfstream, he likes to win races And he's facing a bunch of horses in here who have question marks He's got speed, he can sit off the pace a little bit He doesn't need to be way out of it Let's get the 6, top billing Vincero, if we can get about half his morning line That seems fair, about 6-1 to or so The 7, haunted by the music Was really impressive in his debut, uh, he, when he won first time out at Tampa back in December He had a good start, he showed some speed in between horses Then he was in the two-path, he was battling with the two-to-one favorite He put that one away, then he has to deal with the challenge And he puts that one away, he ends up drawing off It was a really nice, impressive effort The horse who was third in that race, expensive style Was third in the All Fight Dempsey debut And then, you know, you can make a little case for the eight. Cryogenic had a slow start on the turf last time out um, as the favorite that day. It was four to five. He got stuck inside behind horses. He angled to the outside. He, he gets shuffled back a little bit. He lost a couple lengths, but he couldn't really get straightened out until it was too late. Now he moves to the dirt. He wouldn't be a huge surprise. I just, I like others more in here. So I have the 6 on top of the 3, on top of the 7, on top of the 5, on top of the 4. Depending on how deep you want to go. For me, I'd kind of have three, five, six, seven as probably the must uses in some of the exotics. And then to close things out, I really like Starship Apollo. This will be a horse that I maybe key in on in some exotics and think about singling. So the 10 Starship Apollo is a 14-time winner, uh, 11 of those at Gulfstream Park, but never at the mile. But he does have five wins going seven furlongs, so it's one of those things where I think because he hasn't won at a mile, it's, one of, it, it's not really a big deal at all, and you'd think it's a bigger deal. It's not like a he can't get the distance type thing. In his last start, he broke right with the leaders, but he didn't go on with it. And he ends up tracking from 4th, he's like 5-6 off He couldn't make up a ton of ground on the top few But he starts to close late, he tries really hard And he's really getting to them late He should be closer early He's stretching out from five and a half. He might be naturally one of the quickest in this field I wouldn't be shocked if he's right on the leader, sitting close That's the 10, Starship Apollo The 6, the Queen's Jewels um, has hooked a couple sharp next out winners. Three of his last five losses have been to horses that won next out. He's won four non turf races, right? I went on the dirt, I went on the synthetic, second on the dirt, and third on a wet track. He was last out in versus tough. You know, I think it's a toss there. And the last time he was on dirt. He was favored. He beat a couple of today's rivals and he beat the next out winner Jamaican. He was a step slow to start. He settled a couple lengths off. He was in between. He was in fourth. He ends up moving through. He was patient, then he all, he, you know, he ends up attacking the leader. He goes right by and he absolutely crushed. He's geared down that day on March the 22nd. And so just to repeat anything close to that effort from the Queen's Jewels would be really, really tough. The one, the Robert, he feels like the stone cold closer in here who could really pick things up late. He broke his maiden in his lone try at Gulfstream. He's gonna save all the ground. He's gonna come running. The two trapezoid. He he's who I have fourth in here. I'm okay with building a, a case for him. He had won a couple in a row. He was a little bit flat, um, at a wide trip. He had a slow start. He got going with that big wide move, but he was forced to go wide. He kind of just grinded up late. But he may get, you know, some pace to run out in here with with Peppy the Hunter, with the Starship, Mister Creative, She Takes Heart. There's an, there are versions of this race where some go. For the most part, I think it'll be just an, a moderate pace. And Peppy the Hunter is another one of those horses that we were talking about that, you know. I have a hard time playing some of these horses that are being, um, you know, claimed. This is a horse who was in the Navarro barn for a while, and then is coming on out, out of a Safety Joseph Junior barn. That's a hard barn to uh, to move horses off of too, because they they really are, you know, win a lot of races first off the claim. They move horses up. It's just hard to move horses up off of them. I'm I'm Peppy the Hunter makes sense in here, but I like others more. She, I mean, he's an 11 time winner. He won't be too far out of it. He fits. But Pepe the Hunter Might just be a little too short for me So to me I think there are some vulnerable favorites In the sequence Best of luck in that Rainbow Six There at Gulfstream Park On Saturday Let's get to Wrestling for the week With our buddy Chad Cooper We're going to recap what happened On Wednesday night in All Elite Wrestling, Dynamite We're going to go through what happened on NXT on Wednesday night And then we're going to preview WWE's Money in the Bank Pay-per-view that comes up this weekend Enjoy the conversation with Chad Cooper One of the good friends of this show That's what G said, podcast uh, Our buddy from, uh, what is it? Is it Beaumont, Texas, right? That's where you are hanging out over there Uh, Chad Coop, Coopaloop, Chad Cooper How you doing, my friend?
1: Beaumont, Texas West of Houston In between uh, Louisiana And uh, nestled uh, On the border here uh, But yeah Beaumont, Texas The Golden Triangle
0: So Coop um, how are things over there on your end um, in, in most of So we're recording this on you know Thursday afternoon evening It looks like most of, of The US at least We're starting to get things Like racetracks are trying to get back to normal A lot of these sporting leagues are trying to get I don't want to say normal, but at least up and running without spectators. How are things where you are?
1: Uh, It's it's looking it's looking more uh, it's it's brighter by the day. You know, Greg Abbott has been, uh, you know, on on this from the get go testing is, is is there's more testing. That's and, the key. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he announced, uh, you know, on Thursday that IndyCar would be coming with no fans. I, I nice. think you're pretty soon up in Dallas uh, next week. And we're hoping that on May 18th, which is his next phase of openings, he just opened uh, nail salons, hair salons uh, here in Texas that can open. We're hoping that on May 18th, he will announce that events can start happening with, you know, of course, 25 percent capacity and a lot of social distancing rules. So we're hoping that will start up sometime in June and see if we can start having some small events uh, here again. But that's what we're uh, trying to look forward to now.
0: One thing that we've been uh, as as. Fans of wrestling like we are, we've been pretty lucky That the wrestling, the show has Gone on, they they haven't skipped a beat As far as WWE AEW, NXT, things have Obviously been a little bit different, they've had to make some Changes, call some audibles, but we're gonna Go through the, the Wednesday night shows We're gonna recap, and then we're gonna talk a little money in the bank But first, with AEW They actually did something a little different before their show Yesterday, they actually tested some people And let some fans in the building They were one of the places where they have a, I guess, an abundance of tests and like rapid result type tests. So they actually had some sort of a crowd, and it it's kind of crazy. It doesn't it doesn't have to be a lot, but you could definitely feel even just a little bit with people in the in the audience what the difference
1: is. Yeah, and that's what a lot of uh, WWE, AEW, and NXT has definitely been missing. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just crowd reaction. You you don't you, you forget how. How better a match can be when the crowd can ooh and ah, you know, boo the hills. Uh, this is awesome, chance uh, NXT AEW, and just for you know the place, uh, the few people that it was at, it sure seemed it, it was more enjoyable watching AEW uh, this last episode. Don't you think?
0: Yes, I agree, and and what and when you looked on paper, it looked like this was going to be a really, and it's not that NXT was bad. Like the the wrestling was good, the show was pretty solid from from top to bottom. But you looked on paper, and it was like, wow, you got this is almost like a takeout kind of uh, take takeout takeover. Car- I'm hungry, obviously, right? Sure, <laughs> this sure. is a a takeover uh, kind of card, and it just it th- that little added oomph wasn't quite there. That was there with uh, with AEW. So they've kind of figured it out, at least whether it be w- was wrestlers some weeks, and now they were able to have some people in the audience, and they're. Their big show is on the 23rd That they're starting to work towards WWE's show is going to come up this weekend So for AEW we kicked off We had Cody versus Joey Janela And uh, you know if you knew Joey before this You just thought he was you know one of those Gimmick hardcore guys but they've kind of Tried to build Joey in the last you know Six months as someone who is definitely more than that He's also a guy who can go in the ring He wrestles and one thing AEW does Is their top guys they definitely um, go in long matches with some of the lower card guys, and and I don't know if that's positive or if it's negative. Some people stand both ways, but we see that a lot. We actually see it later on the card with Moxley and and Kazarian too. So, what'd you think of? I guess both of these matches. We had uh, Cody Janela, and then uh, and then um, we get uh, we get Mox in a little bit too with Kazarian.
1: Yeah, with the opener, I, I'm I'm 50-50. I, I think it's great that Cody goes uh, one-on-one with somebody like Janella to not necessarily get him over, but to kind of get him back on TV, get him mm-hmm. going. I thought the match was probably a little too long. Um, you know, I, I, I was so used to Shivani and Jericho. I was kind of like disappointed oh, that was with Jim Ross and Excalibur. I, hey, look, I grew up here in the South, Mid-South Wrestling, UWF, Jim Ross, the absolute greatest, but something about it now is just off and I've never been a huge Excalibur fan, but with the match, I thought it went a little too long, but I agree. Great spots. I, I love the, uh, the moonsault off the stage with Cody was sweet. I, I like the interaction with uh, you know, with some of the AEW locker room there at ringside and, and Sean Spears with the air horn was just uh He's I blunt, it was fantastic. yeah fantastic. But uh that was a that, that was a good match. I, I thought uh the Mox uh Frankie Kazarian match was even better yeah I agree than Cody Janelle. You know Frankie is a tag team guy and I, I think Excalibur said it. This is the first singles match that they know of for you know 14, 15 months for Kazarian and he went toe to toe with Mox and you forget how good Mox is too because Mox made Frankie, not that he's not any good, but he – man, he pushed that guy from a tag team specialist guy to, oh, Frankie Kazarian can go. I thought this match was, was fantastic. Um, I thought it should have been, you know, the length it should it have should have it been. Um, Kazarian with some nice moves, some nice German suplexes, uh, Mox with the paradigm shift, solid. You know, and then, you know, I like the ending. The Dark Order jumps yep. in now. Do here's the question, million dollar question here. Is Brody Lee getting this uh this title match too quick or do they need this match and they need Brody Lee Mox to push this pay-per-view double or nothing?
0: I, I think they do because I think you look around at the rest of the show and it's it's a it's fine, but are you gonna really be selling the show on um, you know the maybe like the tag Match interest or the final with Cody Versus Archer like those those are Solid matches but you do need something else And I agree this this at least Like this reminds me um, Of just kind of something old school because it's interesting To me I look at yeah. both of these guys and I Think they both can't lose clean Here something's no. got to give Is it going to be some kind of a schmoz that Extends this feud going forward is there Going to be somebody that comes in and helps the dark Order and turns on Mox and that kind of Stacks the deck against Mox because Maybe as a top baby face, he's better off chasing, right? Maybe he. Then we saw that with Austin a lot, or you know, we saw that with the top baby faces through a time. You want you get the title sometimes, you get your you get your payoff, and then you're better off when the the deck is stacked against you, and you have to keep chasing. So yeah, I like this. We kind of looked around, and we kind of we looked at the landscape, and it was like, well, who's gonna be next for Mox? This is a good fit. I even like Brody was saying some stuff like, I like how they've they've started to do a better job of like referencing WWE without sounding like without mentioning it or without really yeah. sounding like bitter about it. Yeah, and,
1: and I love the one, you know, Brody Lee's uh, his promos have been fantastic. Really but good. Instead of mentioning, you know, giving direct references, I you know the the one part that got me, you know, what you know, are you an MMA guy now? Are you an actor guy now? But you and I don't see the same eye to eye like we used to see, mm-hmm. eye you know, and that was the direct shot of Locker and yeah. WWE, and it was so well spo- it was so well said. And I know a lot of the Twitterverse was, ah, why does, you know, AD- AEW need a WWE, a former WWE guy to, to push this pay-per-view? I think it's perfect. I like it because I like Brody Lee, and I would not be uh, – I would I would be okay with Brody Lee Me too. going over Mox and because uh, you know you don't have to have a world title guy hold the hold the belt for six eight nine months. They had that with Jericho at the like beginning.
0: Yeah, yeah, they kind of the had Jericho like to start.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I I I would be okay with Brody Lee going over. I would prefer it. Uh I, I think the guy he fits it and uh I love the gimmick. I I love the gear. So yeah, I, I'm all for that. Love yeah. that match though. Love that match last night.
0: It, it did a lot for Kaz and and he's someone that could definitely be like getting title, getting like mid that that next title shot, you know, and we'll see how they treat this uh, this TNT championship, which is going to be Cody versus Archer in the finals of that tournament at Double or Nothing. A couple things that we missed in between those matches: uh, there was a Nyla Rose squash, which is good; yeah. it got her back on yeah. TV, yeah. got her looking strong. And then we got the MJF promo. Uh, the twenty-four year old <laughs> prodigy—he's comparing himself to some of the greats. Um, this this was was pretty damn good. And then you had mentioned uh, Spears was at ringside too, so we get Spears, MJF, and Wardlow. They're talking with Shivani, and um, and Shivani mentions that MJF does have a, a match booked two weeks in the pay per view against Jungle Boy. So I mean, MJF on our screen is is not a is not a bad thing.
1: No, he look, he's so good. Uh, he's somebody <laughs> that in some capacity that needs to be on that television show, Dynamite, every week. And just his promos, uh, referencing himself to the Last Dance, uh, you know the Chicago mm-hmm. Bulls, the '90s is just just fantastic. But what he does, he, he right now he can do no wrong. And the way he came out of that 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 Cody storyline just is propped him up. Uh, you know, echelons. This guy is he's he's so freaking good and so young and, and uh, I, I, you know. You don't. He don't need a world title. know uh, That's what I like about MJF. You know, his mouth cashes the checks. You know, I, he doesn't need a title.
0: And he even gets a little, a little more oomph out of uh Sean Spears too. There's a good all little right, bounce yeah, back and right. forth. You know, he gets a little more out of him. Um, they they feed off each other well. So um that was fun. And then we got a, a good amount of this Jake stuff, which was really good on the show, man. So. Sure. Sure. we get the the video package from Brandy where she's cutting a promo and she's talking to Jake about how, you know, I know your tricks Jake, this isn't 1991. She's going to hit back and she said, you know, uh, be careful when you're dealing with people you don't know and you don't know me and and this was this was good. Like Brandy sometimes will kind of be a little over the top or laying on a little thick, but this was this was solid. Um uh, she did a good job here and this was something that definitely set up for a little later on in the night.
1: Yeah. And I I liked, I I can deal with this Brandy. I can't Mm -hmm. deal with Brandy is I'm in charge of the women's locker room or I'm in charge of this little, you know, whatever little faucet she's going to have. But, you know, the involvement in the match with Lance Archer and QT Marshall coming out there with QT Marshall and Lance has been built up. They've done a pretty good job with it. I've seen Lance several times, you know, big indie guy here in Texas and went over to new Japan and now some of the mainstream is starting to see, you know, this guy is really talented. What he did to Dustin Rhodes, um, and this 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 was a, a fun little match to get to get the Lance over. But I loved how Britt Baker got involved because yes. Britt is a star. Britt is a star.
0: She uh, is. They're figuring uh, her out now too. She yes, and
1: I love it. And she's such a great heel. Um, and she's got that attitude. But her Brandy get into it. She, you know, Brandy takes her shoe and throws it in the crowd. Then after the match. You know, Britt lays her out and throws her back in the ring, and lo and behold, here comes Jake the Snake Roberts with the snake of all things oh, cool. and puts it on Brandy. I, I was I was popping. I was. I, was. That. I was marking out, man. He, he he
0: brings the snake out, and he, like, gets it. He kind of lay, like stands over her creepily, kind of hunches hey. over. Oh, he yeah. even pulls his mask down a little bit then, and he's, like, <laughs> looking right at her just so everybody could see him. And oh, yeah. He, 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 I mean, Brandy was laying dead still in the ring after she got nailed with that DDT so she sells that great you got the DDT to play into Jake the Snake right there too there's just there was so much good about this this felt like it really did feel like 1991 92 oh, yeah. like macho man you got Elizabeth in the mix sure. there with snake like it just this was really really good this helped build that big match that they were going to have in a in a week and a half so i'm sure we'll have a, a little something next week that Puts the uh, puts the bow on that and uh and Britt reminds me a little bit of someone and she's getting a little bit more time now but she reminds me a little of Chelsea Green in, in over in NXT and just like just not at all really like their characters as much but like they're just the potential and what I think they could be and like how they're kind of finally starting to get a little bit more you can see that they I think the companies are getting behind them a little um so we get then uh, the main event match which. Man, I'm watching like some of these old WrestleManias and rewatching them and, and talking about them on the podcast. So I'll, I'll make you pick one for one of the futures and and when we we can sure. go late, we can do it late one night and we'll kick back a, okay. a few drinks and we can yeah. we can talk about one of the old ones. But um, we we're watching these old shows. This main event felt like an Attitude Era main event. It was oh, fun, yeah. man. Oh, yeah. We had the Les Sex Gods, Jericho <laughs> and Sammy G versus uh, Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega. And there wasn't as much because we've talked about it too. The broken stuff—it's—it's got to be in the right time, place, yes. setting. We didn't have as much of this. This was more hardcore. Um, Matt Hardy with the uh, the old Hardy Boys T-shirt on. I mean, we end up these four have a fun brawl after Jericho almost gets into it with Pineapple Pete, you know, <laughs> who's becoming a big star. And sure. they they end up like on the football practice field there in like the back part of the stadium. Hardy and Omega are driving a golf cart at one point, <laughs> like right at Jericho and Sammy, um, and then the Inner Circle gets involved. I mean, we've got tables, ladders, golf carts, ice machines, trash cans, and ATM, garage doors. This was just a,
2: a blast.
1: <laughs> yeah, it, it was. It was entertaining, and uh, you know, watching it live, and then what's you know was even more fun is Britt Baker. When they get backstage, she goes live on her Instagram feed. Yes, shows it for you know and starts doing some some play by play So I even jumped in on that and that. But you know, you know the the homage to the Hardy Boys, the opening move there when Kenny Omega, you know, got on all fours and, and Matt springboards off uh, to Sammy, and mm-hmm. then of course. But you know when it goes backstage and, and Hardy is put in this ice machine. It stays in it for a while it's just like you can't make this stuff up yeah it's, it's like you know the internet explodes with all the sammy guevara memes of him running you know and he gets clipped in <laughs> this golf, golf <laughs> i mean this, that was genius it was you know, perfect and been, hey and you know it i and a lot of and, and my friends know it i've been real hard on aew mm-hmm. this 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 main event was what they needed And I think it showed in the ratings. The ratings went up a little bit more last night. They were able to get in the you know seven hundred and fifty thousand range. You know for what it's worth, but it was a positive. It was just wild. You had some of the rosters standing around, like cheering them on, and like you said, they're on the practice field. And then you end shot with, of course, uh, Jericho with the pin with the Judas effect uh, on Omega. And the end shot, these guys shooting the finger, you know, with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the scoreboard uh, lit up in the background. It's just like, oh yeah, this this is this is this is good television. This is good entertainment right here.
0: It is. It was a lot of fun. They did a great job. And as we transition over to NXT, I'm sorry, their their big show is Double or Nothing on May the 23rd. That's going to be next weekend. So we get to NXT and on paper it was it was good and if you're not comparing the two shows like if you're just watching NXT you probably came out of it thinking you know what this was pretty solid we get the uh, the start uh Dijakovic versus the new heel Johnny Gargano with his new look heel gear heel music heel look for Johnny and Candice and um this was probably what we expected i think when pe- when the two people see these on paper they wanted to get like anytime you see Johnny you kind of expect it to get to that next level and this sure. it, this was good, it was not bad at all But it, I think we saw that This was to still just kind of Show kind of Johnny's new heel side Jack had the big man stuff early He kind of tossed him around for a while He is so damn athletic for a big man Like Vince, it, I'm surprised Vince Has even let him flounder a, a, He feels like a Vince guy You know, like oh, one yeah. of those guys that okay. Vince would just love And oh, yeah. um, Johnny G get, ends up getting the win Candice is like healing it up out there But <laughs> this this didn't really Get to like um, Like a pay-per-view type level
1: No, it was Look, it was a little sloppy It was I don't know how often these two guys worked I did like the fact uh, That Johnny, a smaller guy Is going up against a bigger guy And it's not one of these type of matches Where, you know, it's It's, I don't know It's real gimmicky uh, I love the way they're going With the new Johnny and Candice LeRae I love her look I, You know, I love their promos Um, I was okay with the finish to the exposed turnbuckle. I thought this match went a little long. It was very physical, uh, but the longer it went on, it got a little sloppy, but no, it wasn't definitely anywhere near the the five-star quality. Uh, that we're used to with Johnny G. Uh, Dominic deserves to be on the big roster, and I, I think he gets that here pretty soon. But yeah, you know, I, I was okay with it. With, with yeah, it was, an It just went a little too long for
0: me. Yeah, it was fine. It was just it, it was it wasn't not, not quite what we expect with the with Gargano because he set our, our expectations quite True. so so high. Um, then we got a Matt Riddle Imperium storyline And we got a couple of little promos throughout Because it's going to be Riddle and Thatcher now um, In a tag team title match next week against Imperium So they're just we, we saw this a couple times throughout the show First um, uh, Imperium kind of talk and set up the storyline a little bit And then we saw Riddle and Thatcher And this should be a really good match next week, man
1: These these are guys that can all really go Oh, I'm, I'm looking forward to this one I, I usually watch NXT live uh and and I'll I'll tape AEW uh, just because I I I'm a I'm a WWE I'm the Fed I'm the E Homer
0: always uh, always
1: you know I, I just am I, uh, but uh you know that that tag match alone is, is probably going to make me watch uh, NXT live uh, next week.
0: Then we got into the uh, another match in the Cruiserweight Tournament Jack Gallagher with his new little look we see the tats <laughs> yeah, with the, the tats love, on <laughs> on JG and the uh, Tazawa who. Um, You know what I, I kind of almost feel a little bit bad For both of these guys because I like them both As workers individually I think they're both Great in the ring you almost feel like People forget about how good they are because oh, yeah. they've been around so long You know and they've been kind of They've got that 205 live kind of You know like negativity on them And, and yes. if they just could come into the Company like now people would really love Them but we forget like these two guys can go This was fun Um, th- This cruiserweight tournament is interesting I think most people are sort of interested to see What they're going to do with Drake, the Drake Maverick part of this
1: yeah, and, I, you know, it was an okay match, and, and, no, you hit it spot on. Both these guys have been on that main roster, and they've kind of been squashed a few times, whether it was Raw or SmackDown and 205 Live that gets buried, that was buried after Tuesday night SmackDown, yep. uh, you know, at, at 9 p.m. or whatever it was. But, uh, you know, uh, Tozawa is now 2-0, Gallagher is, is 0-2, but, you know, the way it's going, with, as you mentioned with Drake, I, I, I just think this guy, you know, hangs around and, and you know that 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 led, leads to the other cruiserweight title match i'm a jake atlas guy i know he's a california guy out there he was bar wrestling uh santino brothers that match with him and Kushida was uh was fantastic uh just fantastic i know Kushida got the win but jake atlas is a star Kushida is good um Kushida's now i think two and oh in mm-hmm. In, in the standings, but that was another good match. But yeah, th- this all roads leads to to Drake Maverick here in this cruiserweight title tournament, the interim cruiserweight title tournament.
0: Yeah, we saw then uh, Io Shirai getting ready for her match with uh, with Charlotte, and um, and then we got a quick uh, Lee versus Chelsea Green. And sure. I mean, this was just quick. It was a little sloppy. I think it's kind of setting up the angle, whether it was like continuing on that feud with the uh, Aaliyah and Lee, which has gone on forever, or. Um, or maybe even uh, Aaliyah Kind of aligning with With um, you know with Chelsea As kind of a little bit of a faction with their manager Now maybe that's something that that They kind of have going forward Aaliyah can kind of help Chelsea get the win I don't know if that's going to be something with, That they're doing or this was more of a one time thing But Chelsea gets the W To me I, I mean I just see her Even even sometimes it's a little sloppy Because I've seen her work and I've seen her do better work When sure. she's gone longer and stuff she, yeah. she to me is a future NXT Women's Champion
1: yeah, and you mentioned her and the similarities between her and Britt. You know, what's interesting, those two were a a tag team throughout mm-hmm. the for a mm-hmm. years, Fire and Ice. You know, you know, best of friends, uh, both on that same path. I'm glad Chelsea's back on TV. It's been a while, but yeah, she's a uh, you know she she's going to improve. And uh, yeah, it looks like they're kind of teasing Aliya to 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 join the Robert Stone brand. So we'll see if that continues with her and Zia Lee.
0: Uh, we got a velveteen promo to set up his match for later with uh, with Cole, and then we got a really cool <laughs> debut. Um, you know, this was one that was kind of, I guess, like um, polarizing online. I thought some so some people that didn't like it, but then a lot of people really did like it. Um, we get Karrion and Cross with Scarlet, and they Ooh. come out, and I'll tell you, you can tell whether you like this this or not. You can tell that that when WWE thinks somebody is a big deal or NXT does. When they put together some sort of an entrance like this, this felt yes. very much in the vein of the, you know, Balor, Nakamura, oh, uh, yeah. Alistair Black type entrances for some of the the guys that they were very high on. So I like this. This was goth. This was a little different to me. For someone that I don't know a whole lot about, I know a little bit about his backstory. I've seen him a little bit, but I'm not. I haven't seen him a ton. Right immediately, within five minutes, this guy and this package comes off very important to me, and he comes off as a badass. Scarlet, like lip singing his song as she walks down the aisle. I thought it was kind of cool, smoky all over. Oh, I yeah. thought it was a good presentation.
1: Yeah, and it's something different for an NXT. You know, this guy was a huge name. Uh, you know, he in Mexico AAA, uh, a lot of matches. I know he was an impact for a while. Um, He's done a lot of things And so talented And I know he's a Triple H guy And what they've been able to do With the promos and the teasing And for him to debut last night And the way that entrance debuted With Scarlett, uh, A-plus Job well done
0: So then we get um, Charlotte versus Io Shirai And this was kind of this, this to me, I guess was was be- like maybe even better than the Johnny Di- the Djakovic match. but it was like this was like um like a like a teaser trailer, you know what I mean, like you got a good match that was just starting to get to that next level and really starting to pick up. And then Charlotte ends up using a kendo stick and EO wins by dQ because I think this was more of they want to continue on with e o and they kind of have the three of Charlotte, e o, and Ripley in this storyline for the NXT Women's championship. So, I can, you can understand what they wanted to do here. I don't think they wanted Io to lose clean, and and when you have her kind of sort of getting the the upper hand on Charlotte, you can you can call back to this match later, and this was a good
1: tease. Yeah, and we talked about this several weeks ago when Charlotte won the NXT Women's Championship. Would this be? Uh, a proper time to put her on Raw and SmackDown. And and look, Monday night, she had a great, you know, she look how it was, she elevated Liv Morgan. Oh, this that was great. To, you yeah. You know, Charlotte Flair is. And for her to bring that NXT Women's Championship uh, to the other brands is just amazing. Great match here. Uh, Shirai, you know, an impressive Frankensteiner um, off the top rope. Interesting finish here, as you mentioned, you know, keep everyone. You know, strong in the finish, and it's nice nice to see uh, Rhea Ripley. You know, there were some rumors that she may, you know, because of a work visa, she had to go back. But, you know, glad that whether or not that was true or worked out, I don't know. But to have her back and look like these three may have a, a, a storyline a story because, you know, eventually they have to be separated, you know, backstage. I think this is going to be a strong, strong storyline with these three women because I like all three
0: yeah, I completely agree. this This is good to me. Sometimes you don't need the clean win. This just just kind of moves everything forward here. Um, we talked the Kushida Atlas match. and mm-hmm. then we get Finn Balor. He's looking for uh, for who attacked him. Um, and uh, Cameron uh, grimes with a quick match, then calls out Balor and uh, and says someone beat him to the attack there. So um we we get um what looks like, this is interesting with balor he's looking for him so this is kind of like going to be one of those running storylines we'll see if we get it paid off who attacked balor
1: yeah and, and you know don't think it's cameron grimes uh but i like cameron grimes i like me him too and, yeah uh, you know i i, I liked him uh, i think he was an roh and tna impact for a while i liked it. i liked his work there i like the way you know film Finn, finn's got him a nice new hand tattoo i noticed that yeah uh, the God, all these guys you know it's COVID-19, these people getting artwork and ink work all, all over them. But, yeah, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see who this person actually is. And I think we're in for a surprise. No idea who it is. But uh, it was great seeing Finn Balor, you know, back uh, on NXT. I know he'd been off uh, TV a couple of weeks, but good to have him back.
0: And then it was uh, main event time. So, I mean, this is a match that – another one where – Good match really really good match I think these guys It's probably because this isn't The the last of the matches Between these two it's probably because We're going to get more between the two of them But we ended up getting a lot of Interference at the end is what you get with a lot of uh, The the Cole matches and then we got Dexter Loomis out there he was actually Trying to fight off um, and, And help out the Dream and when he Ends up throwing um, I think it was fish, like or Roderick, one of the yeah. one of the undisputed era up. they nail the referee, and then Dream would have had the pin right there. He's not able to get the pin. So Adam Cole ends up winning. And it's just by hook or by crook, Cole holds on to that title, man. He's one of those guys that you love to hate. you you yes. know he he figures out how to weasel his way out. He's very edge like or you know, punk like, a lot of yeah. comparisons to some of them. This, this is fun I mean anytime you give me those Two and a lot of the other talent that was On the outside of the ring I don't mind I mean it, it's really good and I expect Dream will probably get this from him Eventually you would think
1: Right you would think uh, mm-hmm. you know I, I don't want to see as selfish as I Am I do not want to see Adam Cole on the Main roster me maybe either I, I, I don't Maybe maybe not right now he's, he's held That belt for over a year now Just think of a live crowd at full sell with 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 this match it kind of reminded me of like you know it's just nonstop. these guys just cardio they were it, was, it reminded me like a like a 250 uh 250 yard quarter horse race for a just, <laughs> yep boom the gates open they're they're rolling uh and yeah the outside interference i love dexter loomis another guy that they have done absolutely great things with i know he was a, a tna impact guide that they have uh completely changed his uh his character. And yeah, you know, at, you know, was it a slippage? Did he did he purposely, you know, throw one of the, you know, one of those guys onto the referee. You know, that adds to a little bit more, but man, what a match. Uh Cole, you know, finds a way, gets the gets the one, two, three with the last shot. But man, that was that was a great that was a great ending the NXT Wednesday night. Yeah,
0: it was it was good. I, I mean the, I think we get caught up now um, on these Wednesday nights, in like the a lot of us on the in the internet that are watching both these shows in the the competition of it, sure. right? Absolutely. Immediately, which show was better? Which show had a better match? This this was better than this at the same time. And I think sometimes we gotta just kick back and like and really enjoy a night like sure. last night because it's like wow, last night, man, we got two really good shows. And even if AEW. Didn't look going in like it was going to be as good on paper As, as NXT and, and they were able to, to hit more of a home run Because of some of the crowd involvement And that main event was fun And the Jake stuff Like NXT was not bad in any way shape or form There was a lot of really solid stuff There was a lot of uh, movement in the storylines Getting things moving forward So both of these shows are set up good um, Moving forward and, and I'm having a ton of fun on these Wednesdays Watching And um and Coop, we have a really interesting Money in the Bank match coming up this weekend. We are where we are gonna have the Money in the Bank match from the WWE Towers in Connecticut. <laughs> and this match is reportedly already been taped, or I guess in the close to being being taped before the show. And they're gonna have plenty of time to be able to kind of edit this and go back and, and do things with it. But they're talking about both matches going on simultaneously. They start on the bottom floor and the, you work your way up to the roof, and then on the roof, there's going to be a ladder hanging. Um, this <laughs> is, I mean, if this is something that gets close to what we saw on WrestleMania with the with you know the Firefight funhouse or the uh, the boneyard, this will be pretty fun.
1: Yeah, and you you know again, you know we go back to to March when all of the madness started happening, uh, not just in the United States but around the world. And what would WrestleMania do? you know, without fans and without the big stadium moment, they're going to have to get creative yep. and they got very creative. And I think you're seeing some of the best WWE work that we've seen in a lot of times because you're having to keep people uh, engaged and they're, and you're going to see more of these cinematic moments and what they're planning to do here. You know, I, you know, a lot of these offshore books, right. They will put odds on, on, on a lot of these WWE paper pay-per-views. And, and it's interesting to watch some of these, these odds, because you look at the opening odds and then the day of the event, big shift, right. And, and these things shifts. And a lot of times they're right. And sometimes they're wrong, but you know, I, I looked at the odds cause I'm an odds guy. And, and if you look at the, the, the women's match, you know, uh, the, the, the opening favorite for this match is Shayna Baszler. I, I don't know whether that's, that's right or wrong. I, I think, we kind of missed that moment at WrestleMania. We might have. Mm-hmm. It, you know, it wasn't the best Becky shayna moment. I, I don't know. Does Shayna win the belt in a in a get the briefcase and, and win the title for Becky? I don't know. I you know I would I would you know maybe try Nia Jax. Yeah. I, it seems it seems
0: it's a good time for her. Yeah,
1: yeah. She's the, I think she's the second choice. Let her and Becky go at it again. Don't see Carmella. You know maybe Dana Brooke in a. You know, an underdog type story. Don't think Lacy. Uh, don't think we see Oscar. So, you know, I, if if I had to pick, I, I'd, I'd rather see Nia win this.
0: Yeah, and I'm I'm hoping that this year with the the Money in the Bank because we only have six matches um, that are listed. Two of them are the Money in the Bank matches, which will will likely go for a long time. They you they've kind of changed what they how they use the Money in the Bank, right? Yeah. Like this yeah. used to be. Like a really good tool to get someone who was like an upper mid Carter, like intercontinental US title level competitor. That couldn't quite break through to the main event. This was a good way to get them in and to kind of build some of your next stars. And know when you look at some of the first, you know, this was how Edge initially got over Rob sure. Van Dam into the main event scene. Um, it was Mr. Kennedy who won, you know, won, and then it was Edge who got it from him. You got CM Punk who had it a few times. Even Jack Swagger, um, The Miz was a really good one. Remember Daniel Bryan? He wasn't oh, yeah. the Daniel yeah. Bryan. This kind of sent him up into the main event. You know. um uh, scene Dolph Ziggler's cash in was great But then we got, you know, like Sometimes we look at someone like um Like a John Cena Or an, an Orton You know, like a Sheamus, and then what they did recently With Braun Strowman and Lesnar Like, they don't need the money in the bank no. you, know, you know, it's it feels like a waste When you put it on them, because you could at any moment, any time, announce that they're going to be in a main event and have a main event title match, and it wouldn't seem weird to me. Kind of what you said with Dana Brooke. Like, I like when, when you give the, the money in the bank to someone that we're like, what the hell? And then you sure. see, we see how do they get there, right? The like, developed. how are they going to get there?
1: Yes, yeah, like the same with Carmella. Remember, remember, it yep. was that we had the match again. It was you know, great, because yeah. <laughs> the, the, the social media went wild, and then she, she won it again and it was just like okay then you know so you you look at the women uh, competitors in this match you're like uh, you know i you know Nia's probably the one that has the best chance of getting over becky you know it's not necessarily do you have to have the title if, if you win you know if you don't success successfully cash in you know the briefcase um And then you look at the men's side of it, you know, I'm sure AJ is the favorite. Um, He's come back from the dead. He was buried. But, you know, if you look at, you know, Daniel Bryan, Rey Mysterio, you know, Baron Corbin is not going to win this. I do not think that Otis is going to win this. I I, I don't see Daniel Bryan. I don't even say Rey Rey Mysterio. I don't want AJ and I love AJ. I would love to see Aleister Black. That
0: seems it seems like the most
1: aren't they aren't they teasing it? Teasing us a little bit I think the they are Carlos Winning
0: this I think so because you look At it and it it feels like you Said Daniel and Ray Like they don't need this this just Doesn't no. it doesn't I think they're they're in it because they're Going to be great workers the crowd are yes. uh, th- th- That I was gonna say the crowd's gonna get behind Them no they're not they're, they're just gonna be able to like Tell really good stories throughout this And 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 when you're watching at home, people are interested in in those two guys. Great. And if you want to, you know, shoehorn Ray into some kind of a like veteran last stand storyline, I'd be okay with that. But it's you don't need to do that with the belt. So when you kind of start eliminating just what you did with the with the women's, right? So Daniel Bryan, it eh, doesn't feel like it. Mysterio and eh, doesn't feel like it. Corbin has already won this. And then he won the King of the Ring, which is basically like this, anyways. Sure, right. Sure. Very similar. Like he doesn't need this either. So now you're down to you know, Alistair, Otis, and AJ Okay, <laughs> AJ Just came back, he makes the most sense Because you could just put him right into a feud With, you know, um, with Drew Right away, that just right. fits, per- right? that fits perfectly He can do that immediately Um, but again, he's not someone Who needs this This would do a hell of a lot For the the two guys, Otis Or Alistair Black, is Otis ready for this Are they ready for this with Otis Who, who knows, right, I don't think this is something But he would be one of those Absolutely. Just complete Mandy surprise Rhodes. guys like we talked sure. about because maybe sure. with Mandy behind him they and and then what they could do with someone like Otis is you could do it both ways, right? He's such a sympathetic character. He could be someone that loses his shot. Maybe Mandy's trying to help him or convince him to cash it in one day. He goes Absolutely. and cashes it in and he doesn't win and then he's sad because Mandy he doesn't know what to do. He's kind of disappointed with Mandy. Then they got the store. So you could at least that would be fun. I I still think the best choice here is Alistair Black. To me, that that seems like the absolute best choice here.
1: Hey, we could have some good booking booking with Otis. He wins it, you know. Yep. Can't cash it cash it in. Mandy leaves him. Otis turns dark. I mean, yeah, you know, it, it's all there, man.
0: It is. It's it's fun. And then with with Alistair, I mean, we're just talking about a guy who he is. Almost exactly what this was made for The guy who's just on the fringe On the cusp, you could throw him in The main event with someone right now But we probably wouldn't believe he's going to win the match Quite yet based on like how he's been Booked, he gets this main event He gets this money in the bank and he's able to kind of Put himself right in-, in the picture at any point And then even if he has to become kind of Heel with the briefcase and turn And it's on someone like You know Drew, or maybe it's down the line. If Seth were to win, you could he could easily you could see him lock up with Seth. We could see him lock up with AJ. That would you know there's a lot of opportunities for um for him. And then when we think about you know you know the Raw versus SmackDown stuff, um when what you said about Nia, I know Becky. This was just something that I I I caught and I heard Becky had mentioned she's going to address on Monday night the winner of the Money in the Bank. So I don't know if they slipped on that. Oh, um and yeah. it, what, and it's gonna be someone from raw and not Smackdown for sure. Sure. sure um because, and if that was the case, then that definitely narrows our field down because uh, and, and it would probably be um Naya. so right. Right. yeah, I mean, the the two feet the fields look really good. There are at least a couple in each match where like we've talked about we you know how how and what could happen with them and how how they could win it. That could be a lot of fun. Um, and then we have uh, a couple of the title matches. So is is this time for Tamina to beat Bailey quite yet? Or is this just another one for like for Bailey to beat along the way?
1: Well, Bailey's definitely the heavy, the heavy betting favorite here. Mm. I, you know, uh, I, I like that they pushed Tamina in this spot that we or finally, she's not this bodyguard type, uh, with someone else. And we get to see her and some personality and you know what she's made of. I, I don't see Bailey giving the title up just yet. Um, but are are we in a time right now where we're not gonna have a lot of fans in the arena and let's try it out on Tamina? I don't know, but I do not see Bailey because I still to this day don't think we're finished with Bailey and Sasha. Yeah, just,
0: exactly, just, right? I, I like
1: don't think so. Yeah. That
0: it has to at some point. But I think they've done a, a better job recently with like what you said. Tamina's at least someone that's new. We haven't really seen her be, being kind of pushed. Down kind of down throats for the last like Year year and a half with some of the, right. the same girls Who are kind of in that top group so this is A new like a big compet- uh, um, Contender who kind of gets, gets a little opposite something for Bailey So I- I'm fine with this and and it looks Like Tamina's gotten she's at least been a little bit Improved like her times in the ring have been uh, Like short and pretty sweet and and that's Fine with me so I don't think this will be anything That's like that's long but I kind of feel the oh, same way yeah. I wouldn't wouldn't be shocked if this was like a DQ type win or Bailey kind of weasels out Of it but somehow Stays the champ, Um, and then we get uh, the tag team fatal four way match for the uh, tag team championships. It's going to be the New Day, Biggie and Kofi versus uh, Miz and Morrison versus the Forgotten Sons now, and uh, versus Lucha House Party. So um, I don't know if they're going to go with the Forgotten Sons. I mean, you would they they just came out; they're the new guys in town. I don't know if they're a gimmick that's going to get over with the crowd And maybe like you were just saying this is Maybe this is a time when there's no crowd When you just say, hey, let's see what these guys can do Because it feels like this is one of those kind of um, big moments for them If they can come in and steal a win here It it elevates them If they don't win or if they kind of lose Then you probably kind of shove them right back down To kind of just uh, other tag team B, you know
1: yeah, and I don't think we're going to uh, – look, I just don't think we're going to get Lucha House Party. No, me neither. You know, they're, they're, they're great workers, great spots. Uh, they're, they're always fun, and uh, they're, they're good workers, so they're in this match for that reason alone. So if you go to the Forgotten Sons, okay, so NXT, they get brought up. Uh, they're on the big show now, and it's uh, – well, if you they don't win it, it's like, okay – you do you want them taking the pin what does that do for them uh positive or negative does the new date keep the titles which probably a lot of people are thinking they are going to do it because if Miz and morrison win them back why'd they lose them in the first place a couple yeah of weeks ago? that's that's yep. what threw me off on I, I just don't understand it's been very weird booking uh uh, with this, the SmackDown uh, Tag Team Championship. So I don't know where they go with this in this match.
0: Me neither. This feels weird. So maybe it is time um, for the for the Forgotten Sons to get a little bit of a run. I don't like them, but it, I just it feels no. like it might be time for if they're if they're high on them, you better go with them now, or else they're just gonna get dropped down the card, and they're just gonna be like one of those teams that just is is gonna be on main event very soon. Um, we get the two big title matches now. First up, we get the uh, Braun Strowman Bray Wyatt. We'll get a little more build to that on SmackDown on Friday. Uh, I'm sure right before the the, the go home show, but they have a lot of their history with the the Wyatt family, and so you know they have a storyline to build in here. I'm I'm at least a little bit intrigued to see what this is going to be. If it's going to be straight match, maybe we get a combination of, of of some things here and there with Bray before the match and after. Um, but I I'm I'm at least curious. Um, to see what happens here, because anytime the fiends in the ring, I'm always curious because the, he's a character that booking wise they have a tough time. They don't really let him lose, and and it's kind of the same with Braun. You don't really see Braun losing clean all that much. So when I see these two guys, I'm I'm wondering something's kind of got
1: to give here. Yeah, and both of them are even money, you know. So there's not really mm-hmm. a favorite uh, right now going into this match. And and Bray has done a great job with these promos bringing out the black ship yep. map you know mask uh for braun i thought that was well so yeah you know uh as you you know i could see a squirrely ending i don't I know agree. how this you know i could see a match and i could see this turning into more of a cinematic type match where they they venture out uh uh in in into the arena a little bit but i, I see something squirrely i don't see the title changing of course braun was putting the in a, in a weird spot having to, you know, take the title off Goldberg at WrestleMania. You know, it, it's just, okay. So, uh, man, this is a quick title, you know, a title run. But, like I said, during this time, I think all bets are out the window when you're when you're talking about title reigns during 2000, you know, we're dealing with 2020 here with no fans. So, you know, it would not surprise me if they gave Bray the title back, but I, I, I see this ending in a DQ.
0: Yeah, I think you're completely right I think I could see Bray, you know some, Doing something after the match, maybe bringing Somebody new into the mix to help sure. him Something like that, and then d- Elongating this storyline and, and moving it forward Another month or two, and these guys can go At it, and then maybe we get another one of those like Cinematic-type matches in there Either the next month or somewhere down the line um, But I'm, I'm I'm Good with this storyline, I like these, I'm fine with these Two guys battling over the main title um, on, uh, on SmackDown, and then Over on the Raw side, um it's going to be Drew McIntyre, the champ, versus Seth. We've talked about Drew. They've uh, they've done a really good job with babyface Drew, and this this just kind of feels to me like um, um, we got to give him let's let's feed him a really good, solid like main event type contender for a win here. Um, and and what makes this Money in the Bank a little different than the others? Some of the other Money in the Bank pay per views, we always kind of had that wonder if one of the yeah. people that that won the the ladder match would cash in, but now. They can't try to do something like that right (laughs) Right, like they can't pretend like we're that stupid to not know that the stanford match is you know what i mean and then in in florida so i'm expecting that there's not going to be any involvement with the money in the bank winners and the title matches
1: No and drew's a heavy heavy favorite if you look at the opening odds i i think minus 600 uh it'll probably go up further this is a good match for drew Seth's a veteran seth is great on the promo um you know, you've brought Buddy Murphy back into the mix mm-hmm. a little bit here. Um, you know, maybe you know, or, or Murphy, whatever we're calling him now, uh, Murphy uh, maybe gets involved, but Drew does not lose here. I, I do not see this being a DQ. Drew needs to go over. I see in this a clean pin, but I expect a good match here because Seth yeah is really really good, and so is Drew.
0: Yeah, I think what is Extreme Rules coming up soon So that, yeah, that probably, yeah. some of these feuds that are just starting Will probably go another month And then they'll have the stipulations added So you're right, we might get, even both of these title matches Could kind of have schmozzy endings sure. um, To make their their storylines move forward here So, I mean, on paper, it's it's going to come down to The two Money in the Bank matches, obviously Like, if those things hit, this is going to be a great show And, I mean, I look, I'm pretty... I'm pretty pumped for for both of them because it's interesting. Like, there's nobody. I mean, I guess short of Corbin in, in the one match that I'd go, like, I'd groan about. If they gave it to yeah. Debry or Mysterio or Otis or AJ, I I would have a blast with it. And then we obviously talked about really wanting Alistair Black. And then on the women's side, I'm fine with Oscar, Naya, Dana would be fun. I guess like Lacey doesn't really need it either. She's been yeah. hanging around in the main event picture for a while, and and even Shayna like. She could win, but she's not one that needs it. She could be kind of shoehorned in there anytime. So I, when you're when you're looking at all the contenders and there's a bunch of them that you're okay with, you know, you don't make that Corbin sound. That's good by me <laughs>
1: <laughs> Look, I love Baron Corbin. He, me too. He's me too WWE superstars. Great right? top and, heel. great yeah. top like level heel. Yeah, and I and I love that he's won this match before, and I love that he was king of the ring, but he's kind of been, uh, okay, we're not really focusing you, on you right now. So, no, the timing is not right for him. You know, like I say, I, I'd love to see Alistair because I'd, I'd love to see him with it. But, you know, if, if you want to really shake things up, you know, Otis would be the guy to give it to. Otis but, yeah, means- two, two very intriguing matches uh, for Mother's Day, for sure.
0: So, okay, Coop, um, if you're down – Maybe let's plan on linking up again next week Because what we can do is we can recap Money in the Bank And then we okay. can preview the um, Double or Nothing Because Double That's or good. Nothing will be uh, the okay. next weekend following up So um, we'll we'll, uh, we'll start to uh, to uh, kind of see if the landscape has changed after these big, big shows So Chad Cooper, my friend, give everybody your plugs And then um, your homework, send me a text sometime in the next few days Think of one of the old wrestling shows that you'll like um okay. I'll let you know the ones that we've already gone back and, and covered. I think we've done WrestleMania's three through ten. Like so three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten have been done. Okay. And then we just did thirteen and fourteen. We did SummerSlam ninety two. Anything okay. other than that, Rumbles, King of the Rings, Survivor Series, SummerSlams. Hell, you wanna go do a WCW pay-per-view or anything at all? You <laughs> let me know. We'll recap okay. it. We'll go back. We'll watch all the old matches. We'll have a drink while we're doing it. We'll talk about the commentary. We'll we'll laugh and uh and we'll do it So think about a show That you want to do For the future And um, and I'll, I'll link up With you in a few days We can talk about when And give everybody Your plugs Where do we find you
1: At the Chad Cooper Both on Twitter And Instagram At the Chad Cooper Yeah anything With a gobbly gooker on it Then it's probably <laughs> uh, Probably get ready Because I love the gooker <laughs>
0: Beautiful Coop you're the man uh, you, yeah, I asked you again For like 20 minutes To a half an hour You give me about 45-50 minutes Always appreciate it buddy Thank you so much Stay safe over there We'll talk soon Enjoy the wrestling This weekend Thanks Gino. That's the coop, Chad Coop. One of the sponsors of That's What G Said Podcast is Cindy Carava, full-service realtor, and I am here over in Glendora at Coldwell Banker with Cindy Carava. Cindy, how was 2019 for you? Tell us a little bit about what uh, what kind of stuff you were working on.
3: Hi, Gino, thanks for having me. Uh, 2019 was just really great. Uh, I had a great year uh, selling homes all the way from Altadena, Arcadia, Monrovia, Out to Upland and Ontario just recently, Um, the market has has been uh, really good. Um, We're looking forward to 2020 with an increase in home prices about 5.8 percent this year, opposed to last year where it was a little softer. We saw uh, more like homes averaging about 3.5 percent in increase in value. Um, It's also looking great for buyers. Uh, The interest rates right now are going to be staying under four percent. So if you're been on the fence about thinking about buying
0: And you're all over the internet, social media, websites. Let us know some of the places where we can find you. I know I've seen some reviews on Yelp and on Zillow. Everyone always has positive things to say. Everybody hears me raving about you all the time. But where can uh, everyone else find out information about you or contact?
3: Thank you, Gino. Yeah, I am on Facebook and Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, And uh, you can contact me on my website, which is www.cindycarrava.com or my email, which is cindyc.realtor at gmail.com, or feel free to call or text me on my cell phone, which is 626-394-6400.
0: Cindy is awesome. She's one of the kindest and most genuine people I've ever met. I promise you, you will enjoy every minute you interact with her. So thank you very much, Cindy. Uh, appreciate all of your support from That's What She Said podcast.
3: Thank you, Gino. Have a great day, everyone.
0: Big thank you to Chad And uh, hey, while we're talking wrestling Let's go back in time now And talk Wrestlemania 14 We're going to recap Wrestlemania 14 Match by match We go through the commentary Everything happening in the world of 1998 WWF It's the Attitude Era Everyone is saying suck it Doing the crotch chops Flipping off their teachers Stone Cold said so Darren Zocali, Andrew Champagne Join me We have a ton of fun talking about Wrestlemania Fourteen From 1998 This week's Wrestlemania Rewatch is going to take us back to 1998 March the 29th We're going to head to Boston Massachusetts for Wrestlemania 14 Joining me like each and every Week on these Thursday nights When we record show usually comes out like Late Thursday uh, sometime Friday uh, Some weeks good friends Darren Zocali Andrew Champagne Fellas, um, I thought this was A damn good show I think of the manias that we've talked about If you wanted to say this was the best Or right up there close to One of the two or three best That we've talked about I I would say that you're probably accurate
2: I would agree Uh, It's a fun show It it has a good pace to it It, it It's only eight matches long um, But they're well done and beyond that, the wrestling in it is really good. The stories in it is really good. Uh, you get uh, one of the best endings to a WrestleMania that we'll ever see. And, uh, yeah, I mean, there's very little that you – I mean, there are some things that we could pick at, and I'm sure we will. But the one thing I will say that I was surprised is that I looked up Dave Meltzer's review of this mania, and he did not like it at all.
0: Really? Yeah, that's not, weird.
2: Not a, single, not a single four-star match from him on the card, which – uh, surprised me quite a bit, especially considering the last match on the card. So, uh, yeah, and that, you know what
0: and, in, and Andrew, um, uh, we'll get to you um, right now, uh, and and you can kind of give your opening thoughts. But what I kind of felt too is that this was, you know, you compare it to match to shows like WrestleMania 10, where you have two like five star matches and then a couple other downers, and then it's this show like this where you, there's there's nothing that probably is into the four and a half range. But there's nothing that's bad Even the bad stuff is fun It's really good storyline And I don't think I'd even really consider anything like bad in here What are your big thoughts, uh, Andrew?
4: Well, my first opinion goes to something Darren said In talking about Meltzer This show wasn't at the Tokyo Dome So he didn't like it I mean, for goodness sakes, Mitsuharu Misawa Could lay motionless in the middle of the ring And he would give a match four stars Too soon? <laughs> I think he actually did give it four stars. I'm just saying. Anyway, <laughs> when you look at this mania, one of the things that I really liked, and one of the things that I really loved in looking for manias to rewatch and relive in this weekly segment that I so look forward to doing is there's no filler. Yep. Everything serves some sort of purpose. This isn't WrestleMania 8 where the highs are really high. And some of the matches make you go, why was this booked? Did we Mm -hmm. need this? I mean, look at WrestleMania six, for instance, that show was unnecessarily padded with these four minute matches that went nowhere and ultimately did nothing. Everything mattered on this show and the actual wrestling portion of it from start to finish, taking out the buffer at the front end and the buffer at the back end on the WWE network, two and a half hours. Yep. I mean, this show flies by. It's an easy watch. There's something for everybody. And While certain matches might not necessarily Hit the right tone for you It's something we've mentioned on this show It stinks, but it stinks really quickly And they move on Tempo is certainly something they valued at this point And that's something that you see in the Attitude Era On the Raws of that era as well If something stunk, they moved right on to the next one And if that didn't land for you Something else was going to later on in the show I think it was emblematic of WWF's product at the time In a lot of ways
0: this is a um, and this is like an era changing show when we uh, discussed wrestlemania 13 it, you can tell in just one year how many things have changed just obviously the attitude we're into the attitude era now but we in 97 we were still in that it, they the like the the corner hadn't fully been turned yet into this like like really chaotic world where anything can go on. You you could see it. It was almost there. This is like fully we're fully into it. This is a new generation. This is really a new era. I mean, we don't we don't have Bret Hart now. For uh, well, Bret Hart was there every, every Mania since two. Is that right? Um, yeah. So I mean, this is the first Mania without Bret Hart in a whole long in, in a hell of a long time. And what's crazy is you know you feel like. When Bret Hart leaves You know, Shawn Michaels is going to be the guy forever And isn't it crazy that he's only around For like another six months he, You know, uh, a- after the, the Montreal job when Bret Hart goes You got Shawn Michaels, he's here And then after this main event and, and We'll talk about it, I'm sure, more when we get in there But Shawn only wrestles like three matches The entire year Of 2018 Because he hurts himself badly in that Royal Rumble match With The Undertaker He hurts his back really, really badly and he, you know, they were thinking at some point he may not even be able to get into this main uh, this main event match. And and then there were all the rumors, Darren, of Shawn Michaels like mentally not being in the best place and him not maybe not wanting to drop the title here to Austin. And we heard the stuff about the Undertaker having to uh, uh what tape up his fists and kind of go over to Shawn Michaels uh, in the locker room and just let him know that like if you don't do this, you you know we're coming for you, kind of a thing. So there's a there's a hell of a lot going on. In this show behind the scenes, times that are changing this show, as jr. mentions a couple times throughout it, the highest grossing sporting event in Boston history at the time this is like a big, big show in the the history of WWF when we look back on it.
2: Oh no question about it and going back to what you were saying about about Sean, uh, you know he, he's spoken about this now at length in different interviews and he talks about the fact that he was basically he was a lost cause, uh, you know, mm-hmm. during this part of his career and that nobody in the locker room with the exception of his clique liked him. Um, there was animosity between him and Austin going into this match. There's something that happened at the post, uh, post-WrestleMania press conference that was not uh, a confrontation, but it was, and we'll talk about it later, but, but it was seen as Sean trying to not necessarily hog the spotlight, but make a point that he was there. Um, even though Austin was the guy up on the stage speaking. And, yeah, I mean, there, there was a lot of stuff with Shawn uh, going on, a lot of demons that he was battling. And about a year after this, he met the woman that he ended up marrying and said that she you know, saved his life, basically. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on, a lot going on with Shawn. Um, you have the real creation of the, the Kane character leading up to this WrestleMania, which is something that we'll talk about at length, I'm sure, later. And, uh, you know, you start off with uh, probably the the highlight of the show, in my opinion.
4: Yeah, I was going to say, I mean, we've allotted an hour and a half, hour and 45 minutes for this show. Gino, uh, we've got a private over under bet on uh, how long Darren (laughs) is going to talk about the very first pop of the evening where it was (laughs) Animal, Hawk. And I'm sorry, Darren, my, my monitor went blank. My monitor went black right as I was Watching this on the WWE network It pulled a Heenan on me uh, Who who was their manager? I know you want me baby <laughs> <laughs> we, had,
2: we had some days back then as they said <laughs> So we, uh, we Kicked things
0: off and I mean, this is a a fun video package to open the show And, I mean, this was the era of their video packages Just so damn good I mean, that's just the one thing And, and you've mentioned this, Andrew, too They are as good as any sports team, league, organization, company At doing these videos to build up matches And to recap stuff uh, they are, They're just incredible at it And um, so we get all the build-up for everything And one thing that 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 just makes this show even a little bit better We get prime frickin JR Man Jim Ross is so damn good In this show he just makes everything Feel a little more important he is To me this is where Like all of the best of Jim Ross Comes together because you're getting him Given some of the backstory for Some of the you know the real backstory Where these guys went to school and what they did And and their athletic you know history And then he's given the storyline You know backstory because he's locked in on Everything and then he's calling the moves And his voice and his intensity And then he's like fighting off king too Like he's really doing a hell of a job uh, On this show it's awesome And We get things started with a fun 15 team battle royal right away I mean this is just 30 guys in the ring At once this is actually the first battle royal I believe since Wrestlemania 4 And uh, that was at Wrestlemania and we Get uh, 15 teams Farouk and Kama the LOD, Savio Vega, Miguel Perez Jose Estrada and Jesus Castillo The Truth Commission, which is Recon and Sniper Bradshaw and Chains Mark Henry and D'Lo Brown, The Quebecers Jacques and Pierre, The Rock and Roll and Express At WrestleMania, how about that? Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson The Headbangers, Too, uh, too Much Which was uh, before they were too cool That's Scott Taylor and Brian Christopher The DOA, 8 Ball and Skull uh, New Midnight Express Bombastic Bob and Bodacious Bart Steve Blackman and Flash Funk and the Godwins. Those are our 15 teams. But isn't it great, Darren, M., when they have any kind of like a battle royal or like a multi-person match? I always love it when only one or two people get the intros. Because then you yeah. pretty you, you got the dead giveaway right there, right? When only one or two people are getting an introduction and their theme music played, it's most likely that they're going to be the ones standing tall at the end.
2: Yeah, we even see that today when they do it with like DeAndre the, the Giant Battle Royal at yep. WrestleMania. Um, you know, where they they and it's funny because when some you don't really see it that often, but when you're at the show, like they all come down to the ring together. It's mm-hmm. like a throng of twenty people walking down the aisle, and then they'll play the music for like three or four people. <laughs> it's any kind of thing here. Uh, everyone's in the ring. Oh smokes, what's that? You know, and and by the way, the um the the lead up to this is that on a uh, edition of Raw, maybe five or six weeks before this. Uh, Hawk and Animal got into like a brawl you know, like after a match they were fighting all the way up to the locker room and if you listen to the announcers they were kind of writing them off as if you weren't going to see them again mm-hmm. uh, with like the dissolution of, of of the Road Warriors and LOD uh, and so them coming back was, a, was a, certainly a surprise but on top of that if you are a 14 year old guy, as I was when this show came on, and you see Sonny walk oh, out yeah. wearing Wearing, I, you have to watch it to be able to explain what she's wearing. Yeah. It's, you know, whoever came up with that, if it was Pat Patterson, you know, I, no, I'm only kidding, (laughs) but, you know, Bravo. Um, But, you know, it's just, it it, it was a wow moment. Uh, It certainly hit the audience that they were going for with the Attitude Era. Um, You know, you got LOD coming out with this kind of weird look with the hockey masks on. And, uh, you know, look, they're clearly older. Uh, they got different haircuts. They got face paint on. Hawk is much heavier than we ever saw him in the early 90s. But it's LOD and it's the start of WrestleMania. So it's something that gets you right at the edge of your seat from the word go.
4: And we talked a little bit about this in our WrestleMania. Uh, I believe it was saw 10 where they brought the Road Warriors and Paul Ellering out for a promo. And it wound up being a decent idea, but it hit all the wrong notes. This is what you have the LOD do. Yes. You bring them out right at the start of the show. You get the road warrior pop. You put them over and you start off the show on a high note. Now, the match in and of itself was probably the worst match on the show. There's not a right. lot that's bad on this show, but this was. 30 guys kicking and punching for the most part for 10 minutes until the ring sort of emptied out and people Mm. could actually like do things. We had a very random run in from Barry Windham, who I believe was feuding with Bradshaw at the time. Uh, it, It was a bunch of people taking very safe bumps over the top rope, which is what made Brian Christopher stand out a little bit more because he took a press slam from Mark Henry and was literally bouncing like he was having a seizure after he hit the mat. That was pretty darn cool. Now, there was a little bit of a nod to the past in the way that the match ended because you had the LOD going up against a team branded as the Midnight Express. Now, this wasn't the actual Midnight Express, of course, because Bobby Eaton was off in WCW land. This was the new Midnight Express, but it still had Jim Cornette in there. So if you're a fan of nostalgia, that gave you a little bit of a flashback to the late 80s and Jim Crockett promotions LOD goes over fans start off the show happy how much of that had to do with the LOD winning versus how much of it had to do with seeing Sonny and I don't even want to call it an outfit because it didn't really qualify (laughs) as clothes I don't know but a decent start to the show you got two guys that were always going to be over doing what they do best so not a lot to really complain about in the grand scheme of things
2: and and by the way if you're if you're wondering if you watch this why Jerry Lawler is dropping Brian Christopher's name mm-hmm. time and time again during the match. It's that Brian Christopher is actually Jerry Lawler's son. Yep. Um, so, and JR yeah.
0: was great with him at this point. You get some of it in in this match, and then in, whenever they're the light heavyweights would be out there because Brian Quister Christopher was in that light heavyweight division, and um he and then he he actually you know would end up having a, a pretty good successful run with uh with Two Cool there, and he was a real fan favorite for a while. And they'd come out and do the dance with Rikishi. The kids loved them. I, I had a lot of fun with them. They were like a real fun tag team um for a while. And uh, this is this is uh, before that, but um he. Yeah, the 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 JR calling him his his son all the time, and Jerry not wanting to mention it. They they had a lot of fun with be, between this match and the second match, and th- this is like good. This is one of those WrestleMania things where they want to get everyone on the card again. This isn't like going to be five stars; just get a bunch of people out there, get them their payday, um, and get a big pop for LOD and for Sonny. So this is LOD two thousand with new gear, new haircuts, and um, a fun way to to start the show, and we. Jerry, I mean Jerry is Jerry is you know pretty good as we move into this uh, light hair- heavyweight title match. Of course, you know when we have uh, a couple uh, people that are not from the U.S., we're gonna get some Jerry trying to be uh, Bobby and um and Jesse. Although I will say, like it comes off worse when it- Jerry says some of the, the the more like kind of quote unquote racist comments or like racially like um like hinted things. You know about um you know m- more like Taco Bell. Uh, you know. Uh, uh, for the border and go for the border, and he says, you know, the kamikaze pilots, and he makes references like this as we get into the uh, the light heavyweight title match that uh that b- uh, battle royal uh, went just over like just about eight and a half minutes or so uh, to kick things off, but we um. We actually, before we start this this light heavyweight match, we get the footage of the main um, of the Mania weeks, like some of the events leading up the DX public workouts, Stone Cold on with Regis, Flash Funk getting interviewed, Sarah and Mark, uh, Sable and Mark Merrow at Legends. And now it's set for the light heavyweight title. So, this light heavyweight division in the WWF at this point was basically a direct response to the cruiserweight division in WCW, which they did a really good job of. Getting talent from all over the place Eric Bischock has talked about that And what you knew when you watched um, Monday Nitro on WCW is that Like the first 15 minutes Of every show was generally And a lot of times that first hour And I think they would move it around to like the second You know the the first uh, match of the second hour Sometimes but you usually got Like a 15 to 20 minute cruiserweight match that was really good. They had an excellent division of cruiserweights that would end up becoming like main eventers and, you know, like really solid WWF, you know, Hall of Famers and, and legitimate performers. And the WWF tried to do similar, but they really they just didn't have the division, to be honest. But I didn't mind Taka. I, I think Taka was pretty over, and he does a good job here, And I mean, this is a five minute and 57 uh, second match. It goes just under six, but it's quick. Paced it's really fun From just like a work rate standpoint This is right up there with one of the best matches of the night It just doesn't get the chance to Kind of go to the next level because it's only six minutes But I mean they're high flying Taka like leaps off the Top rope and he just kind of hangs In the air and soars Aguila who's going to be S.A. Rios Later and he's the one that actually Helps bring Lita in as his manager He's only 19 years old at the Time this was fun
2: yeah, it, it's a fun match. It's what you would expect from guys of these size. A lot, a lot of high flying stuff. Some good moves. Things off the top rope, backward flips, moon salts. Uh, you know, it's a fun match. You know, Taka hits a big drop kick, flying drop kick off the top. Yeah, I don't know what it was. I mean, his finisher was nothing crazy. The meat, but I just always liked the way. You know, I just like that sound. Yeah, yeah. I always liked the uh, the Michinoku Driver. It Just sounded cool. Um, but I, yeah, he was a good worker, I mean, and he's actually in the WWE for about four or five years, um, you know, and so he gets a pretty good run. These guys have a really good match. They actually had a really good match in ECW as well, and, and you can actually find that match on, on YouTube and if you get a chance to watch it. But uh, you know you're right about you know, and even during this match that we talked about, Jerry keeps talking about his son, you know Jr.'s playing off that um, The stuff about like run, you know, run for the border and Taco Bell and all that, you know, the kamikaze pilots, you know, it's the same kind of stuff as uh, that we would hear from Heenan and Jesse, but it's just not the same. It is no, it's not the same. It feels, I don't know if it feels forced or whatever you want to call it. It's just not the same, but yeah, quality match, probably a a solid three star match. And, uh, you know, the one thing I kind of noticed. Their light heavyweight belt was like a mini version of the Intercontinental title. I don't know if you noticed the front plate. It looked a lot like the IC belt, just smaller. But, uh, yeah, one of those things uh, that I picked up. But, uh, yeah, no, good match, fun match. And, again, this is what we talked about. You know, in some other WrestleManias, this match would be probably down on the bottom in terms of just being filler. And, you know, all right, yeah, it's just kind of there, blah, blah, blah. But this was a good match. And, And the majority of matches on the card, that's how you feel.
4: I don't know how either of you remember this, but when Takami Shinoku was brought in to WWF, I remember them treating him like a really big deal. Yeah. I remember the old WWF magazine. Don't ask me how I remember this, but it showed a photo shoot of him doing a contract signing in New York or at Titan Tower or wherever. And then it showed him going to scores the gentleman's club in New York city of substantial <laughs> repute at the time. And I remember me being all of nine or 10 years old saying, dad, what scores. And him
2: going, uh, <laughs> uh, uh.
4: <laughs> But at any rate, there were a couple of things that stood out about this match. Darren, you already mentioned the, uh, kamikaze quote from roller. The word you're looking for is inorganic with him. Yeah. You always got the vibe that stuff was coming right off the top of his head. And he knew exactly what he was doing. With Lawler, there were times where it felt scripted, like he said, oh, I came up with this, I need to use this at some point. And it's not necessarily that that shtick didn't fly ever, it's just there were growing pains early on, that's for darn sure. Now, this match itself, first of all, Ahila's attire looks like he was trying to be either psychosis or Jushin Liger for Halloween (laughs) and sort of cheaped out on the top. Um, now, yeah. understanding that you know that's his, his gimmick was basically generic luchador, and that's what he had. He was 19 years old, and he got a WrestleMania payday. So more power to him. This match was fine. I enjoyed this match. The problem is the other guys were doing it far better in WCW. Yep. You had Rey Mysterio, Juventud Guerrera, Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, Eddie Guerrero, Chris Jericho, Jericho. Sean Waltman. There yeah. was a lot that you could do with that division. Where you could have unique matches that would all be different in their own way and they'd all be good this wasn't bad but you could tell they were trying to do something solely because their competition Mm -hmm. was doing it now taco was a really good worker Ahila, aka sa rios had a nice little run there as well but as far as magnitude goes it was fine but it's one of those things that you watch and you go "Yeah, yep this this is okay it was quick these guys worked hard but long term any sort of substantial impact not really
0: yeah this is one it. of those things that as you th- you mentioned most of the show is important it's only, I guess it's only important because as you did hit the nail on the head as a fan when you're watching this we you know are at the point where we're young and we're pretty much you know probably into the baby face and we're into kind of what WWF Tells us to be into right they, we root for who They tell us and they told us this guy Was going to be was something special and you know what He did I think As good of a job as he could do In the spot that he was in I never felt like Oh this division didn't hit because of Taka I think you just nailed it Andrew And um, and Darren if you're going to say something Feel free to jump in right after this like th- I, th- I think it was just we The people that were watching both shows We knew what was going on here it was very obvious It's like, hey, this is just the immediate response To that cruiserweight division
2: Yeah, well, no, we certainly did know that and, and the push probably had a lot to do with that But but I genuinely think That they liked him And yeah, I don't know if you'll mm-hmm. remember But a few years after this I don't remember if it was 99 Well, probably, no, probably had to be 2000 Because Triple H was champ uh, Taka faced Triple H yes. In a championship match On Monday Night Raw.
4: I remember this. Yes.
2: That's APA is with Taka. Yes. Uh, The match is really, really good. The crowd is
0: into it really hot. Yeah.
2: So, you know, it just goes to show you that they liked him. They gave him a bit of a push. But, you know, I mean, he had some moments that, you know, like back then when we watched that match, I mean, everybody was into it. There were a couple of false finishes that had the crowd – Ready to just explode But um, yeah, he was one of those guys That they liked and they gave a push to it And the guy could absolutely work
0: Okay, so we move on From the light heavyweight match Into, uh, wow So we get to this uh, interview With with Jennifer Flowers and The Rock Isn't this amazing, guys When we we recapped WrestleMania 13 Just one year before that We saw Rocky Maivia The babyface The crowd was dead for him Still kind of a little bloated, a little chubby He's still got a little bit of the baby fat here too in, In his face and stuff I think it's right before he ends up having that surgery That changes his like the way his body ends up looking too And I mean, this is just a completely different guy One year later I mean, he's not quite the rock yet He's still not quite as smooth as the guy that we know now And that has been Multiple times the highest grossing actor in different years And is one of the biggest stars in all of Hollywood But you just see it right here And it's like wow this guy is coming out This is an interview that The Rock does with Jennifer Flowers Yes the, 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 that Jennifer Flowers The, the woman that uh, had an affair with Bill Clinton President Bill Clinton And so The Rock's the IC champ right now And she asks him what it would be like If he was the leader of the country uh, he said he preferred to be called the ruler. Um, yeah. he, he he says, uh, she asks about the homeless. and he says uh, he doesn't oh, care as long so as
4: good. So as, good.
0: as long as he's got his pal- palatial estate, he doesn't care about the homeless. And then he gets a few. he they she she asks um uh, how he would run the the White House. and um he says, If he was in charge of the White House As long as the interns didn't do anything Orally wrong I mean morally Wrong and she's just like Shaking her head at him and then The other good one The Rock says well if the Rock were the Jury uh, nine times out of ten he'd Be a hung jury so I mean He is just sexual innuendos Here he's laying it on thick Is this
2: the same damn guy From last year Darren It's it's crazy um you know, he had the heel turn that was much needed to change the character and, you know, going into the nation. But, yeah, it's it's wild. I mean, you talk about the the leaps and bounds, you know, in terms of a difference from the previous year to this. But, um, you know, this is right. I mean, it look, the, the point of the interview, they have Jennifer Flowers in as the ring announcer later on. And, obviously, this is about two months after the, the Bill Clinton scandal broke. So they're playing up you know, that angle as part of this. But, yeah, I mean, the homeless trash and, you know, talking about ruling and, all, and you know, all that other stuff. I mean, this is, you know, the first time that you can kind of see the rock mm-hmm. character that we know. And it's really cool to watch. It is. If you go back before it, you don't really see that much of this rock. But here is where you start to see the rock that we all come to know and love and and it's really nostalgic, and it, it quite frankly, it's just it's just cool to see.
4: This was a trip to rewatch because mm-hmm. I remembered this being a really good promo. Even at the time, you were like, "Whoa, who is this guy?" Now I hadn't seen WrestleMania 13, and I was more of a WCW guy at the time. So Rocky Maivia, I knew who he was, but at the same time, I didn't really get how bland he was and how they initially misfired with him. The rewatches that we've done from WrestleMania 13 to WrestleMania 14, it's it's like you're watching the polishing of a diamond. It's one of those where he's not quite the rock yet, but you can see it from here. And that would be borne out in the next couple of years when he would become one of the biggest stars in the business.
0: And then we get to our next match, which... um... I mean, another guy who in just one year felt like he make lead makes leaps and bounds, and that's uh that's Triple H, who, you know, remember we were a little disappointed in his thirteen in a mania thirteen match, where it's like, yeah, it was it was fine. We thought that the, with the workers involved, it was going to be a little bit better. This was a damn good match with Owen. They, I mean, his like Triple H's pace and the intensity that he works with from from ninety seven to ninety eight. Is just night and day He's like a different guy It's crazy when you had these kind of talents That were literally growing together Like think about Austin, Rock, Triple H In the one year You know how much these guys have improved To literally being like right there I mean Austin's gonna be the guy And Triple H and and Rock are like Just months away from like Nipping at his heels Being the next like set of guys to come through And the only thing that I hate about this and we talked a little bit About it when we touched on some of the other shows is You, you know you hit it Darren earlier when you talked about how Sean Mentally wasn't in a great place And right after the Montreal screw job It would have been the perfect opportunity to give Owen Hart a, a, a Small run with the title Even if you're talking about a day And he loses it back at raw The next night something like that The crowd wow. wanted it after Brett left They were hot for Owen it was a great time to give someone who Had been the, the a guy in your company For a while a little run They didn't do it and then Owen kind of Gets pushed off from his Feud with Shawn Michaels they have one match That it looks like Owen's gonna Win a couple different times the crowd Is just absolutely crazy for Owen and Shawn ends up retaining The title and then We get Owen into this feud with Triple H And the match is really good and their feud was good And, and Owen's coming off of a um, an ankle injury. He had it. He was in a cast for a while. He just took his cast off to the, the day of WrestleMania. There's a lot of good about this match, but I just I wish they would have given him. He feels like one of those guys that really would have been able to capitalize with it, and it would have given like nuclear heat to Sean when he loses it back eventually, and and it just kind of helps him moving forward. Um, but again, Sean wasn't in that kind of a place. He did not want to drop the title to anyone. He wouldn't have even thought of of you know something like that. This this is good though. We get this match, Darren, with. It's for the European title. It's Triple H versus Owen Hart, and we have China handcuffed to Sergeant Slaughter because China has been interfering over and over. And that's another one, Darren, with the year in a uh, different right. She's got the breast implants now, and okay, we, I didn't notice. Yeah, and we are gonna see. Yeah, I don't know how you, and they kind of smack <laughs> you in the face, and uh, we, we are gonna see China from '97 to what, like 2001. 2002 when she's she's Like her last Mania match she's like a, She looks like a completely Different person, all the surgeries The enhancement, the reductions The thing that she has done um, So, I mean, definitely a year Where we've seen a lot of change What do you think about this uh, Euro title match?
2: I think it's a great match I think it's a, it's a technically sound match Which you would expect from really anything With Owen, I, I always look back at Owen And say, you know Whenever he was in Whenever he was in WWF, WWE, I mean, the number of guys that you could say were his, you know, equal in terms of technical ability in the ring, you could count on one hand. Yep. And, you know, for that purpose, I always felt that he deserved more. He deserved the title run at some point. Um, I, and I, and I, how they never figured out a way to do it and, and the way that you said would have been just fine by me. Um, it's a good it's a really good match. Good wrestling moves throughout. Um, they mentioned, in fact, during the match, Earl Heppner's not there. He's actually <laughs> uh, he's actually in the ICU. He had a weird uh, thing happen where he was in the elevator at a hotel. I think it was in British Columbia, Canada. And he got like this sharp pain in his neck and he went up to the room and his eyes got like all bloodshot and everything like that. He called his brother Dave and they took him to the hospital. And he, he had some heart issues off and on. But later on, you see Sean saying to the camera, this one's for you, Earl. Um, and a lot of people thought that that was like the Montreal screw thing. And maybe there was some of that to it, but he was actually in the hospital at this point. Yeah. So, um, you know, that, that was a true thing. Uh, the crowd's hot there in this match. They're into it. Uh, they love Owen in this spot. Also the thing with China and slaughter's cool. Um, you know, I, I like having slaughter at ringside, getting him involved. The thing with the powder at the end, um, you know, Lawler, Drops in his typical Hart family lines, which is kind of funny because now that you know Owen is kind of like a baby face a little bit. You know he, Jerry used to love Owen. Yeah, Owen was his yep. guy, but now <laughs> now he says, and, and the quote, this is probably his best best quote of the night because Jr. says, "Well, you used to like Owen," and he goes, "No, I thought better of it. I hate anybody whose last name is Hart." You know, <laughs> and of course he, he gets a couple of things in on Stu and Helen and. You know, makes his his cracks about them, which that's probably some of the funniest stuff that that Lawler does is when he rips on on Stu and Helen. Yeah, um, but yeah, you get you get a cool finish, a lot of back and forth, false finishes, crowds into it, and then at the end you get a funny sign that says "China is my dad" that I thought was hysterical. <laughs> um, but it's it's a damn good match, and and I really enjoyed watching it back. This was a really good match,
4: and it was a really good match in spite of a couple of things that seemed backwards. First of all, can we talk about how awful the DX band was? Who was that supposed to appeal to? Now, the DX theme is iconic. That's a great theme. But that band, in a live setting, looked like the garage band down the street.
0: And they sounded like it. Yeah. They
4: brought nothing. And they wound up getting residuals for a really, really, really long time because they kept bringing DX back. And they kept using the music. So WWE had to keep cutting the checks. Now, the other thing that was backwards to me in here Triple H and China are over as faces in the eyes of the crowd to the point where when China has to be handcuffed to slaughter, the crowd is sort of indifferent to slaughter, who's supposed to be the yep. face commissioner, the good guy that's maintaining order and authority and the law and whatnot. And it just didn't seem like the crowd wanted anything to do with that character. And looking back, I don't remember a whole lot about Face Commissioner Slaughter other than he was the whipping boy for a lot of DX's early antics. Now, this match is really good. You have Triple H, who's finally starting to get it in the ring after showing so much promise early in his career. And then you had the Madison Square Garden incident. He got punished for a year and had to work his way back up. You have Owen Hart, who could work a good match with a broomstick. He could probably get a really good match out of any of us in his prime. Let's be real. There's a great sequence at the end where Owen gets the sharpshooter. There's a couple of really cool reversals. And you see a taste of just how good, Owen, how good Owen was and how good Triple H could be in the right setting. The one line I didn't like in here, and it was no fault of anyone at the time, Jr. refers to Owen as the lone surviving heart.
2: He did talk
4: about things that do not age well. I know, right?
0: Oh, gosh. I didn't even catch that one.
4: Yeah, it was bad. Now, this match, on a happier note, it's a really good match. If you want to see Owen being Owen and Triple H after he's figured out how to work, what works and what doesn't for his character, he's found a heel character, he's running with it, it's a really good match. The crowd pops huge when China beats up Sergeant Slaughter and gets free. That was at the point where you sort of realized China's going to be around a little while Mm -hmm. and she might have the chance to draw some money at some point. She did. She was a mainstay on WWE programming for a long, long time. It's unfortunate that things ended the way that they did for her, and that could potentially be another podcast that we do at some point down the line. It might well be a dark side of the ring at some point if they get to that point, but for now... This was a really good match, despite some things that, when you look back on it in hindsight, seem a little bit backwards.
0: Yeah. um, So there's some other things to mention. Uh, Owen's big here. He's he's thick, like upper body, like definitely big. One of the bigger versions of Owen that we see. and I, I like that they mention that these guys are both King of the Rings, which is cool. And then um, when they mention, they talk about Earl Hebner not being here. Cherry says it's too bad because Earl would have counted the three on Owen, you know, like yeah. making the reference to the to the uh, Montreal screw job. Um, good back and forth. I mean, you, you hit Andrew towards the end of the match. This crowd got hot. They were super hot for a couple of the near falls for Owen late. Like they were really biting on those. And then they just hated slaughter. So when China. Was uh, able to pull Triple H to the ropes, and then she threw, I guess, salt or powder or whatever it was in the eyes of. Uh, of, um, I-, I just went to go mimic a throwing, and I knocked down my uh, my drink right now, which was uh, the noise you probably heard in the background. So <laughs> would have been much better with video right there if I had that. So
4: you know, you so, know, I gotta tell you, it's been a really bad week. I needed a good laugh. That got it. Thank you. So-
0: so I guess the the foreign object of the salt and the power Undefeated still Still always gets the win um, As Slaughter gets the uh, The salt or powder thrown in his eyes And then uh, China low blows Owen She does it all right I mean she she pulls the, she pulls the ro- Triple H to the ropes to save him Because Owen would have won in the sharpshooter She gets you know um, the better of Sergeant Slaughter she low blows Owen and then Triple H hits the pedigree for the win here. Um, this was fun. This went about uh, eleven, almost twelve minutes, and or 11 and a half minutes or so. And I mean, I, I this is these are the matches that I love when we we watch shows because you know each on each show. Like I I remembered a couple things on this show, but I forgot that this was this good. Um, and, and I and I was really happy to, to get and sit down and uh, and rewatch this one, as we come up to, I mean Steve Austin. Is the most popular at this point Maybe Like Sable is unbelievably popular She has a short run For probably a year I guess a year to a year and a half or so Where she And and Dave Meltzer talks about it too When he would see the quarter hour And like the like the minute by minute ratings This is in the middle of the Monday Night War When they're crazy about like Every minute why are the, the WWF Or WCW getting better ratings Who's on the screen What do the people want to see Every time Sable was on the screen People tuned in to WWF And so what was really cool about this next match It's a mixed tag match It's Sable and Mark Mero versus Goldust and Luna we, we have Sable She's not Wendy Richter, Alondra Blaze She's not a women's wrestler She is a valet So we're talking about Miss Elizabeth She's Miss Elizabeth who has been Kind of, you know Pushed around, treated poorly By the the guys that she's with For the last year or so Initially she was with Triple H And then she's with Mark Mero, And we see her always kind of Getting, you know, just getting treated poorly And she trains And I will say she does a hell of a job for someone who wasn't supposed to be a wrestler. She was a valet. They make her look really good in this match. The crowd is just waiting for her to get in. I mean, think about this, Darren. This would have been like Miss
2: Elizabeth throwing a powerbomb. No, yeah. Well, she and that would become the sable bomb, as, yeah. as we know over time. And and she and as and as this run went on, she would start to hit that on male wrestlers too. Mm-hmm. Which, which was interesting, but you're right. I mean, you know, a couple of times it looked like she was going to get in against Luna. Luna ran away. The crowd was just, you know, hot to get her in. And I mean, look, you know, to say that Sable is easy on the eyes would be the understatement of the century, so it's understandable why, you know, the the reaction was what it was. But, yeah, when she comes in and and, and I mean, she had a sequence where she had kicks in the corner against Luna, you know, hitting these high kicks, I mean – you know, it looks like a, a legitimate, you know, a legitimate wrestler. It truly truly does. Mm-hmm. And, and she does a great job in here. They make her look good. Um, you know, th- there is an interesting thing in here. So <laughs> the crowd is into this. It's a mixed tag match, but the crowd is huge into it, and we know why. Now here's the irony that I find at the end. The irony is Sable wins the match, and she wins it with a move called a TKO, which is Mark Marrow's Finisher at the time <laughs> You know where I'm going Yes the I do <laughs> DKO is essentially An F5 It's the same move Now why is that funny Well it's funny because It is a foreshadowing Of what's to come four or five years Down the line because Sable Cheats on and Leaves her husband Mark Marrow for way forward As Andrew says Brock Lesnar <laughs> so, you have Sable in her first match at WrestleMania in 1998, hitting what is an F5 to win the match, and she ends up marrying Brock Lesnar. That's kind of fun. That's like a cool Easter egg that I saw on this. There's so many
0: layers to this, too. Like, did, is she only attracted to people who do this move? Right is like is that one of her like Is that one of her like requirements So like is that it or Does she take this and teach this to Brock Lesnar I mean I don't know you know what I mean Is she she Showing him how to do this That
2: would be great great. It comes out in an interview Down the line where Lesnar Says that I got that Move from Sable I'm gonna Call you up like you're not gonna believe this That's great oh that's um, great Andrew that's what do you th- think
4: okay um so I got a couple of notes here before this match they had Michael Cole do a video recap of this storyline with Goldust and Luna and as I tried to wrap my head around what was going on I went did any of this make sense to anyone <laughs> at the no. time so Miro employs Goldust to do what exactly to be his cross-dressing valet and then gold <laughs> tries to play marriage counselor would you, would you and explain it like Luna's this it's involved. so much better too <laughs> and i'm gonna tell you something i'm gonna do this again with another major storyline later in the show i'm going to explain this with a straight face and you're gonna tell me why i'm supposed to buy it now the answer to that question in this case is because Sable was really hot. Now, this is a compliment here. This is something that WWE over the years has done a pretty good job of with women's wrestlers that weren't necessarily trained as wrestlers or who are still learning. They don't do things they can't do. Yes, They found something that Sable could do, which were those high kicks in the corner and the TKO, and they protected the heck out of her. To the point where, now, Sable was no ring technician. She was no savant. But her presence didn't bring the match down at all. In fact, if there was any spot blown by a woman in this match, it was actually Luna mm-hmm. coming off the top rope yep. when Sable was covering gold dust. That might not have been Luna's fault. The ref might have been out of position and missed the cue. But Luna's standing and waiting. For what seems like an eternity, while Sable's got gold dust covered in the middle of the ring, the referee's trying to usher Merrow out, and it's like they're waiting for the referee to get back into position. That's not on Sable at all. She was fine. And when Sable got the TKO, the crowd popped. This did the job. Now, there is a necessary postscript here. Sable did cheat on Mark Merrow with Brock Lesnar. Sable married Brock Lesnar, whatever. Mark Merrow was in a very bad place. For a very long time If you look at him now, he's a motivational speaker He's rebuilt his life Credit to him for that Because by his own admission He was pretty far gone Down a pretty dark path So it's kind of miraculous that he's still with us
0: And I mean see, Yeah, Darren, you hit it I mean, she she was good Andrew, you hit it too They didn't have her ask her to do too much um, A couple of notes that I had in this Um Man, Goldust is not in great shape here either He is huge, huge This is like one of the bigger versions of Goldust you'll ever see He's bloated, he's struggling um, at this point in his own life personally And this is like JR, this is where I love JR Where he's giving us like the Mark Miro, you know um, The Golden Gloves info And he's like combos of real life info um, and, and backstory stuff And he is just crazy excited too Um the crowd so into she gets to takedown down like left and rights on Luna. She hits those kicks, and um, she hits the power bomb. Luna kicks out, and then she uh, ends it up uh, getting that TKO for the win. Marrow celebrating like a damn fool. And this was a weird point for him too because he's playing that Healy character, but he's obviously not like a full heel because, like, re- like right before this, Goldust and Luna kind of turned back on him to set this match up. So. His character was kind of weird but he actually was he did a good job like acting like an idiot after the match even though he really didn't have much at all to do with the with the finish there. Oh, you know who's coming up next. Andrew, it's Tennessee Lee and it is J E double F J A double R E double T Jeff Jarrett who you know, he's all He was always supposed to be that guy The next guy, the big guy And he was always just, to me, like a solid mid-carder He just never really had that it He never really connected with the crowd I think some of his later stuff was actually better Where he, he turns a little hardcore and he has the guitar and, um, and, he, and he's got a little more edge to him And then when he goes back to WCW He kind of becomes a main eventer at the very end When things were not going well And, and him and Russo were buddies But this is getting Jeff uh, Jeff Jarrett out there Jennifer Flowers introduces the match And we get Rock versus Shamrock uh, The Rock versus Kevin Shamrock And The Rock cannot win by DQ In this match Because um, then uh, Shamrock will get the belt Because The Rock's been trying to get out of matches like this And you know what Darren This one thing when I when we watch and we wa- we rewatch these um, these matches with the Rock and and some of the build up to them, man, did he take no liberties? I mean, did he take some liberties with people with that chair? He did oh, it with boy. Foley. He oh. did it with Foley a lot, a ton. The year after, when you know, when when they were in those title matches in '99, the Rock would just nail you front of the head, back of the head. Not, I mean, he would swing that chair as hard as damn possible. That's one of the, the the cringy things of this show, and and it was mainly around this match when you're seeing him. And then that one that they show in the backstory where he where Shamrock's kind of asking for it, and he hits him right between the eyes.
2: Yeah, I mean, even like watching that back again, I had the same reaction I did watching the first time, where it was like, oh shit, you know, like yeah. you know, like how is how is he not, you know. Well, I'm sure he was concussed. You know, I mean that's why they don't do it anymore. But it's, yeah. I mean, I, I totally agree. Um, you know, you get you get the transition here. Part of the 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 backstory to this is the nation is transitioning from Farouk being the guy to the Rock being the guy. You know, it's like Rock is going to become the uh, the leader of of the nation. He's got this kind of thing going on with Farouk, where you see in the backstory where he, you know, Farouk is in with, I don't know if it was eight ball or chains, one of those two guys, and, uh, and he's, like, going to hit him with the chair, and Farouk stops him, and he does that, like, quick head twitch, like, oh, sorry, you're in the way, bang, you know, like, <laughs> Farouk. Uh, and then Farouk obviously comes down this match and, you know, doesn't help the rock and gives him the middle finger, and, and that's how everything, you know, kind of changes. But this is, this is really the period where we see the transition full blown rock, and it goes on for probably about a year from late '97 into late '98, and we're kind of at the crux of it here. Um, this match is cool. It, it's you know it's it, it establishes Shamrock as what as it's supposed to. Um, you know he pretty much dominates the rock. It's not a very long match, um, but it, it, that's what the purpose of it is. And then of course, and by the way. Watching this back, I forgot how hot the crowd was for Shamrock. Yeah, I did not remember that at all. And then going back and watching, it was like, wow, you know, when he hit the, you know, when he hit the ankle lock, and it looks like he's winning the match. Uh, you know, they, they pop big time. And uh, you know, then you get then you get the whole thing with Shamrock where he loses his mind, and it becomes kind of like part of his character where he starts. You know, he finds out that he loses the title because. He held on to the ankle lock, you know, for too long. And he just starts, you know, belly to belly suplex everybody in front of him. And the look on his face and he goes after the rock up the aisle of the place when he gets to the rock again. and hold, When he holds up that icy belt after beating the hell out of the rock, the place is going nuts for him. And, and I just didn't remember that. And I mean, Shamrock was a cool worker. The match does the job of what it's supposed to do. Um, You don't get a whole lot within the match. It's not particularly long. There's not much to it, but it it follows what the story is supposed to follow. And and I'm fine with that. Going back to
4: the pre-match stuff with Tennessee Lee, Jennifer Flowers, and Jeff Jarrett, to quote the late Mike Graham, Jeff Jarrett broke a thousand guitars and never drew a dime. (laughs)
0: Yeah, That was a good one.
4: That's harsh. It's a great line, but it's harsh. Jarrett did a lot of really good stuff. If you haven't seen his match against Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title at one of the In Your House events, it's a classic. He was capable of a really good match with the right guys. It's just he didn't have the drawing power that <clears> a lot the of little thought. it. Yep. Yes. I mean, if you look at it, he's a lot like Luger in a lot of ways. Yeah. Questionable booking. He sold out for money a lot. He had some things that people, you know, saw and obviously accepted as an upper mid Carter. But if he was ever your top guy or within a thousand feet of being a top guy, that's when you had a problem. Hey, let
2: me jump in real quick and ask you a question. Um, Do you think that when he came into WWE, that because of who his dad was and the WCCW promotion, the fact that he won that belt down there, in the uswa and all that stuff like a zillion times do you think that he had like a sense of entitlement where these people should know who i am i shouldn't have to earn anything
4: i don't know about that and i think there were enough positives in his wwf run to where you could see he was working and he wasn't coasting i mean he had enough matches that were three and a half stars and above to where people realized okay this guy's pretty talented. He's got some goofy ring attire that makes him look like a male stripper, but he yeah. knows what he's doing and he can do a couple of things that, that we enjoy watching. So that's fine. Certainly there's nepotism with some people in the business. See also Eric Watts and the worst dropkick in the history of professional wrestling. Uh, see also George Gulas in the old, uh, Memphis territory. It's a tale as old as time, but at any rate you, uh, you look at the match itself, The Rock and Ken Shamrock, and I'm glad you guys mentioned the chair shots. And oh my, uh, you, you look at that, knowing what we know now about the human body and head trauma and whatnot, and it's just, it makes you cringe. And I remember the first time in the mid 2000s where WWE said, okay, we're putting a stop to chairs to the head. And I think it might have even been before all of the Benoit stuff happened. I remember thinking, this is going to look really different. I'm not sure what's going to happen here. But as it turned out, it made people a little bit more strategic about when to use chairs and imagine using psychology to be able to make it make sense to where you get a chair to the stomach or a chair to the back and it still sounds just as good. You can still play it for pain. It's something that ultimately wound up not being a big deal. And you'll wonder if somebody had gotten into a time machine, traveled 20 years back and said, guys, you really got to rework this. It's going to look really, really bad. They'd have made it work. As it stands now, you look back and it, it makes things really hard to watch. Now, when we talked about WrestleMania 13 and the match with Bret Hart and Steve Austin and the reaction Ken Shamrock gets just for a simple takedown on Bret Hart, Guys, if he comes around now and WWE signs him, he wins the belt in a one-minute match from anybody that has the title. And it's not even close. I think there were a lot of missed opportunities with Ken Shamrock, and that leads me to my point. I liked the booking for most of this card. I hated what they did here because for as many title changes as they had at that point in the Attitude Era, it seemed like every week there was one title that was changing hands, and then you had the hardcore title that was changing hands four or five times a week. You're telling me they couldn't have given Ken Shamrock his moment here and found some way to get the title back onto rock at some point? I Mm -hmm. mean, Shamrock had legitimate potential to be an ass kicker as a face or a heel, and it feels like WWE got him pretty far along the road, but we're never really interested in pushing him as a main eventer. Now, he was never going to be Austin. He was never going to be Rock, whatever. But he could have been a guy that you plugged in in those spots, and it made sense because if you messed with him, he was going to break something. And he had the ankle lock that was a great finish. Kurt Angle then had it and showed what you could do with it as a finish for a legitimate wrestler. And I just think there is an alternate universe or Ken Shamrock has Kurt Angle's career.
0: I think he needed this um a, a little bit and and he was still going to be hot for a while and then they end up turning him heel and then and then it, and that was when and that, that was kind of it when, once he turned heel but he needed th- this and he could have been Right up there. The thing about about Ken too versus others, he actually could wrestle too. Like he was he was the trained wrestler more so than a lot of the shoot fighters that kind of come in and they don't really have any wrestling background and they just can go a couple minutes with kind of like a a shooty fight type. He could go. He could sell. He was good in the ring. He he really was. And um, th- some fun things here. Um, the the Rock hits the people's elbow before it's the people's elbow and JR just calls it the elbow and it's it's close to it it's it's dismissing like a little more of that pomp and circumstance and the little uh, uh the little maneuvers he would the little like movement he would do before he did it um and um the mm-hmm. nations out there they're helping they attack Ken so Rock taps out this match goes 4 minutes 49 seconds it's like a really if if that's it Andrew then then that would have been a great way to book him right and because the, the Rock wouldn't have lost anything for this, you can have him, them, the nation beat up Ken after get their heat back. Like you said, switch this back a night or two later, or a week or two later. But Ken kind of got over at least on the big stage. Um, but instead, he holds in, he locks in the uh, the ankle lock and he holds it in even after the ref is asking him to break it while the nation is coming in and actually attacking him one at a time so it's like what is he supposed to do he's trying to fight back and then he's you know and then he he just locks it in again and then he starts um fighting off the refs and this is when he kind of snapped so i would have been better if they would have even said you know based on his actions um touching the officials we've stripped him of the title something like that that's fine that kind of makes him look even like badass a little bit more but I didn't like the immediate reversal. You could tell Fink was a little bit confused too um, when uh, when he has to announce it. But there's this moment when they announce that the Rock's the champ, and the Rock is the Rock has a great moment where he's he's bleeding out the mouth, you know, in the in the he looks really good as he's kind of writhing in pain, and they put him on the stretcher and they wheel him out. And somebody had brought the the icy belt back to the Rock down in the aisleway. And so you can kind of barely see it in the corner of your screen as the rocks laying on the stretcher, he holds up the belt. Like he kind of like weakly struggles with his arm to hold it up. And it's just something small. That's so great. Like, like he did so much to win this match when he just got his ass kicked and they, you know, and and they just gave the belt right back to him. But, um, this is funny. And then, uh, JR's going crazy. Shamrock's been robbed. The Irish has been robbed in Boston. <laughs> you know, um, he's screaming. Um, but d- you, you, I think you hit it, Derek. Ken Shamrock is freaking over here with the crowd. And um this was this was fun. This was a lot more like about the angle, and this continued on for a little while. But I believe like the rock and with Triple H, like they're both gonna be baby faces pretty soon.
2: Yeah. Yeah, it, it's thing. A lot of things change, you know. Uh, more, even more so than how many times, you know, the giant has gone back and forth. <laughs> uh, yeah, the heel. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things change. The Rock obviously is going to have his big baby face run. Um, you know, I mean, he he's got kind of goes back and forth. He's got that run with uh, with Foley, where he's where he's the heel character for most of it. Um, but, but yeah, no, a lot of things change. That they, they, they it's kind of what the attitude era. Is all about. And it's kind of what kept you invested is that nothing really got stale. Um, the, maybe you didn't agree with all the booking and maybe you wanted to see some different things, but they changed things up a lot. You didn't really know what you were going to get from week to week. And it's what made it exciting. Yeah. And that goes to what I
4: was talking about right at the top of the show. If something stunk, it stunk quick. And chances are WWF learned from that mistake because if they didn't learn, WCW was waiting for something that they could exploit. They had to adapt. Otherwise, they were at risk of dying. And this was around the time where the tide started to turn in the Mm -hmm. Monday Night Wars. But the tide hadn't really officially turned yet. It was incredibly competitive at that point. WCW hadn't become a victim of the AOL Time Warner merger yet. They hadn't been a victim of standards and practices yet. It was legitimately an incredibly competitive matchup week to week to see okay, who's going to win the ratings war? Who's going to put out the content that's most competitive? Is somebody jumping ship? That was why things never got stale. And as wrestling fans, That's part of the reason why a lot of us, I think, were excited that AEW was coming on and they were preparing to give Vince a run for his money because it was going to have to motivate them to either adapt or die. Now, it's another podcast as far as if that worked, but it's a case where competition is a good thing, and I think that's the biggest example of it.
0: This commercial we saw next, the WWF Attitude commercial. I love this damn commercial. Oh, it was so good. It's like all the wrestlers talking about their backstories, their injuries, and if this is, you know, real or fake. And the one line that I always remember was the Austin line. I damn near broke my neck, but I still got up. I just love just love that. This was great. They actually did one of the, the initial one of this with Brett, and I, they had to cut a lot of the Bret Hart stuff out of it um because he he's gone at this point, but th- this was good. This was a lot of fun. And then JR starts mentioning That this is the highest grossing event Ever in Boston And when people out there No, they made that kind of stuff up That's wrestling You just gotta think about it When they do events With the size of the ring When you compare that to any other sport they're able to, to pack more people Into a wrestling event than they would A basketball game than they would a, If it was a baseball game than they would Any other type concert where you have The stage set up that's much bigger You just have that little ring and that's Really it so it, it, it's crazy When we go back because this was the time When WWF starts Breaking record after record And they're really um, You know moving up in the ratings I think Andrew I think you were talking about it It's it's not long after this, and it's a an episode of Raw that Austin faced as Mr. McMahon for the title, and I think that was like the first one that got them back. Um, one of the first weeks,
4: three weeks, yeah. Yep,
0: yep. I think that was uh, one of the first ones, and um, and then we always hear about the Mick Foley title, you know, spoil when they turn, and then different things like that. But uh, WWF at this time firing on all cylinders as we get to. A fun match. It's funny. This dumpster match. If you are someone who's watching all elite wrestling and you just watched Dynamite over the weekend, it, it kind of wow. reminded me a little bit of the uh, the main event match on Dynamite uh, this uh, this Wednesday, where it was Matt Hardy and Kenny Omega versus Sammy Guevara and Jericho. This th- that felt like like a WWF Attitude Era match this match was a blast man but it's another one where it's like there's so many bumps to the back of the neck or the back of the head where somebody's like thrown into the dumpster or like they're closing their head on like with the dumpster cover um initially though the first thing i remember uh, uh, that jumps out to me is how damn good road dog was on the mic man he's so good when he's walking to the ring and he's doing that intro and the the one that we would all be singing not long after once they turn and and, and you know as babyface dx and oh you didn't know your ass met a call somebody the wwf proudly brings to you its tag team champions of the world the road dog Jesse james the badass billy Gunn the new Age,
4: outlaws,
0: you know, and uh, just a well ton. Done. Well done. Yeah, do you know
4: how many times as a kid did you do that? Did your parents ever have to yell uh, at you? Did your sister get upset? As this, many this times is we all want to know.
0: As many times as I gave one of my teachers the uh, suck it or the double bird middle fingers,
4: uh,
0: <laughs> a, a lot of times. Uh, then uh, this, this was just that era when your
4: poor parents yeah. and they're such nice people. <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I, I promise, I gave the suck it. Better than Mike Tyson did uh, he, he always had such an awkward uh, The crotch chop when he would do it It just always, it always seemed so, so weird um, Nonetheless We got the dumpster match here So this isn't a match that you have to be pinned You have to put both of the opponents in the dumpster Close it This is Cactus Jack and Terry Funk Versus uh, the Road Dog and Billy Gunn B- Road Dogg and Billy Gunn are the tag team champions This is for the titles Funk is 50 freaking 3 years old at this point he had been in WrestleMania too in a tag match, um, and so he's back on the WrestleMania stage. Foley and Billy fall off a ladder that they set up into the ring, uh, in, in the ring into the dumpster, which was a really kind of fun spot. Funk gets power bombed into the dumpster, and they end up going backstage. There's weapons on the along the way, and then all of a sudden, Funk. It, it looked like it was going to be two on one backstage, and it looked like the Outlaws had the advantage. Um, they're working on Cactus Jack And then all of a sudden, crazy-ass Terry Funk just shows up driving a forklift Which just is not good for anyone And he, he picks up the outlaws on the forklift Then he deposits them into a dumpster backstage He struggles a little bit to, to put the forklift on top of the dumpster But eventually he does it And they get the win, quote-unquote Because the next night on Raw, they'd actually... Have to to fight for the titles and they would end up losing, but for a night it at least looked like they were the champs here. And uh, I mean, this is just hardcore. This is like a lot of the ECW stuff, but this was a lot of fun.
2: Yeah, it, I mean, it, it's you know, it's what you expect. It's it's a brawl. It's got some crazy bumps. You know, you know, as soon as that ladder comes out, that somebody's going off the ladder. And <laughs> up, you, know, you know, that that's going to be the spot. Um, you know, one thing, uh, and I think it happened to Funk when he takes the powerbomb into the dumpster, he he bruises his kidney in this match. And at the end of the, at the end of the match where they're in the back uh, and they're, they're brawling in the back and Funk ends up, you know, getting them into the dumpster right before that, you get a shot of, of the small of Terry Funk's back. It is like a giant purple mass on the right side of his back from the middle of his back down to, like, his pants. And he – I don't know if he bruised or lacerated a kidney or something like that, but it was bad. And, I mean, you know, and, and he's got to be in agony. <laughs> and, and he's driving this forklift, <laughs> and he's got this giant freaking bruise on, on you know, by his kidney. And it's like, of course, because it's Terry Funk, you know, but – yeah, I mean, I, I mean, look, as always, you know, Mick and Terry take some bumps where you're just, you know, watching it like, my God, how, how did these guys make it through their careers in one piece? You know, well, they probably didn't. They're, they're not in one piece, but in some semblance of pieces put back together. Um, yeah, I mean, it, it's crazy. The head chair shots, um, you know, like I said, the power bomb into the dumpster. I mean... It's just, it's what you wanted this match to be. It's a lot of fun. It's not much wrestling, but you didn't really want it to be, and and it did the job.
4: I've got a question for both of you. Is he Chainsaw Charlie, or is he Terry
3: Fox? (laughs) It's kind
4: of vital to know what we're going to call this guy, because he gets introduced as Chainsaw Charlie. All the graphics say Chainsaw Charlie. He comes out in a Terry Funk shirt. Dogg <laughs> calls him Terry Funk. Jr. actually has to cover, saying, oh, yes, Terry Funk, but as everyone calls him Chainsaw Charlie, nobody calls him Chainsaw <laughs> Charlie J.R. Come on! <laughs> now, this match, there's some cringy moments to it, as you mentioned, with the head chair shots and whatnot. This match also suffered a little bit because WWF was still sort of figuring out the hardcore formula. Mm-hmm. They had they had kicked the tires on it, but they were still sort of working out some of the kinks. Now it's not a bad match by any means. And that bump that you guys mentioned with Billy gun and cactus going into the dumpster off of the ladder, that was tremendous stuff. And you have Jr. screaming. Some idiot on the internet is going to say they know how to fall.
0: <laughs> That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I love that one.
4: They do, and if they didn't know how to fall, they'd be in many more pieces. <laughs> but that aside, my one gripe to this match, and they knew it as they were booking it, and that's why they had the match the next night. And it's one of the reasons why I don't like matches that have this sort of stipulation attached. Oh, we're fighting in the back. There's a whole bunch of weapons lying around. How convenient. Oh there's another dumpster how (laughs) convenient (laughs) oh there's terry funk driving a forklift (laughs) Huh? that fits by the way before i before we move on to the the next recap action match whatever i have to ask both of you this question because given recent events i feel like it's it's relevant what's scarier terry funk on a forklift Or broken Matt Hardy in a golf cart.
2: Oh god. That was my I swear. I I thought Sammy Guevara's head was gonna fly off. Me too. And Guevara
0: took a great bump. And Hardy, what did he say? He said, uh, make sure this is documented or something like that, (laughs) right before he drove off in the golf cart. And I mean, I think Stephanie was joking with me earlier because Poor, poor Stephanie gets um. You know, um, I usually watch these shows like sometimes two times. I'll throw it on the background and once, and then I'll kind of do my notes over it again. And and she sees him a couple times, and she's like, "How is that guy driving a forklift? It takes like sixteen hours of training to learn how to do one of those." I yeah, know. I know. <laughs> I Stephanie,
4: just, wow. your logic has no place in professional <laughs> wrestling. As was, an aside, she's a saint.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that that chuckled. Uh, I chuckled a little bit on that one, but um, yeah, this this was fun. Um, as we then move into a long, long video package of the buildup for The Undertaker versus Kane And I gotta say, when we talk about some of the best storylines in the history of the WWF The first year, the I guess the six months from, from Hell in a Cell of Bad Blood when Kane came and debuted To now, when they wrestle But even more than that, because Paul Bear had turned On The Undertaker before, he was already kind of aligning himself with, you know, Vader and the mankind's of the world And he was kind of feuding with Taker, so he'd already been kind of teasing that there was somebody coming back That there was this Kane character for a long time He'd been mentioning Undertaker's brother and all sorts of different things, and he was going to bring him out So, I mean, we get all of this stuff I mean, we're talking burning caskets, people being burned, all sorts of, I mean... Mythical stuff. This goes back to you know, K- Undertaker. Apparently, this is going to be funny, Andrew. This might be one of the ones that you're talking about where you like you go through it. Gee,
4: whatever do you mean?
0: But and I'll so I'll let you do that when when we get to you. But the one thing that's that's weird about this, and I guess I'm not sure which way you're going to take it. It doesn't seem that weird when it's with the Undertaker. I guess he's one of the only characters I think that it's ever like the hokiness or the mystical power stuff doesn't seem it still works. Some of it gets too far and some of it goes, you know, real crazy. But for the most part, this has been the one character. And I guess when you say Kane, the two, because in my opinion, Kane is the most underrated wrestler in the history of the WWF. With what he was, I mean Think about the time that we're in right now We're at the time where the Undertaker was getting Fed like monster after monster Year after year, right? Like we're talking Kamala, Giant Gonzalez King Kong Bundy, the fake Undertaker, I mean he had some Brutal um, feuds through the years And and then we get Kane, and he's finally like a, an actual dance partner for The Undertaker. And think about all the different variations of Kane through the years. Think about all the guys that Kane worked with from Taker. I mean, from we're talking Austin back here. He was Isaac Yankum DDS, and he worked with Bret Hart all the way through the years up until the Daniel Bryan, CM Punk, you know. He is was just a hand that was always there for the WWF. And he never really got. Much of a run, kind of like the big show You kind of take them for granted because they're just there And you, they're always there And you know you can kind of plug them everywhere But um I think Before we even get into the match Probably, at least my One of my favorite, and I know we've hinted at it In, in previous years One of the best celebrities Ever to get involved with the WWF In the The WrestleManias Was Pete Rose And Pete Rose comes out here to introduce the Kane Undertaker match and he just you could tell he is loving this he he gets it he understands he's he's basically Jerry the King which you know JR makes reference to combined with some Andy Kaufman he starts ripping on Boston remember Pete Rose um has you know multiple champion has beaten the Red Sox a, Tons of times and he knows that the Red Sox Are a team that's just never won So he mentions The uh, the Red Sox And he says um, Okay Well he's talking to him The first thing he says Last time I was here we kicked your ass <laughs> You can't win a World Series My buddy Bucky Dent says hello You know I left tickets for Bill Buckner But he couldn't bend over to pick them up the curse of the Bambino More like the city of losers And then boom Here comes Kane Who at this point had been laying waste to everybody Literally lighting people on fire And, and Kane choke, uh, Chokes Pete Rose he, t- he tombstones him And JR is Absolutely screaming Pete Rose
4: just got tombstone Oh my god Pete Rose
0: This was I mean Darren this is on the short list of best Celebrity interactions Because this sparked a running gag For years after this
2: It did it, it was a great spot uh, I mean you know he, he got right into it Destroys the crowd And obviously they get the gratification you know when kane comes out and and does what he does it's uh yeah i mean Pete's phenomenal with this stuff and you know say what you want about him and all that stuff but you know he's a he's a guy that that could sell tickets puts asses in the seats and you know it was a lot of fun but uh you know this the stuff you said about kane uh you know i couldn't agree more you you think about the genius of the kane character and uh you know if you go, if you watch the broken skull sessions with kane he really gets into what he was doing in the months, you know, getting ready to, to fill this character. But you think about it. I mean, they created a hall of fame character based off another hall of fame character. Yeah. And I can't think of another time that that's really happened because this character does not exist. If not for the Undertaker. Mm-hmm. And, and that to me is fascinating. And of course, You know, then the question would become, well, how long is this guy gonna last as Kane? Because how long can you play this angle up? And he would continue to reinvent himself. Now, that being said, this version of Kane is always my favorite version. Yes, it's the best. I love the one sleeve kind of weird looking attire. He he's got this Michael Myers feel to him with the carry man. Yeah, the way he like turns his neck and stuff. I mean, it's it's gold. And, you know, the the thing that you really take away from this match is, yes, the Undertaker gets the win. This entire match is about getting Kane over. Mm -hmm. It's all about building up this monster. And for the most part, he dominates the Undertaker throughout the match. Yeah, Everything the Undertaker does to him has no impact for the most part. He keeps coming. And he keeps coming, just like Mike Myers in Halloween. You think you got him dead, and he just keeps coming. And the entire time Lawler and JR, all they're doing is talking about they've never seen the Undertaker manhandle like this. This guy is a machine. He's a monster. He's so powerful. I, I mean, that's what the entire match is about. I mean, he, he kicks out of two tombstones, for Christ's sake.
0: I mean, he he, pull, he has the Undertaker pinned in the match early yeah. on, and he pulls him up, yeah. up at one point, yeah. yeah.
2: He pulls him up, yeah, uh, after a choke slam. Now, there's one thing about this match that bothers me. And by the way, before I get to that, I'll add, the, if you need to know what this match was about, the Undertaker, and this is unprecedented at the time, the match ends, and yes, Undertaker wins, but it ends with the Undertaker laying flat on his back in the ring, yep. which is not something we saw at this point in his career. Um, here's one thing that bothers me about the match. And it's a little thing, but, you know, we're all about the little things. This guy's a monster. He just is a guy that's methodical and just, you know, pummels you and tombstones you, choke slams you and all this stuff. What in the hell is Kane doing applying a reverse chin lock? Yeah, that's I not mean, Kane. I mean, that's not the, – the, he's not a wrestler. He's a monster. He's not here to put you in a, in a you know, old school wrestling hole. You know, a, rev- a reverse chin lock? Like, what is that? You know, that's the only thing I took away from it. The match is, you know, again, it's not, it's not, I'll be honest with you, it's not one of Undertaker's best WrestleMania matches, but it's hard for it to be that because of the way it's booked, where he's just, Basically getting his mm-hmm. ass kicked throughout the match, and Kane Melt- is still green at this point too. We got—I mean, yeah. like he's going 15 minutes,
0: right? As uh, 17 minutes in this match, in a main event match where he's going to be on offense most of the time, and so he's—he's he's never been in this kind of a situation either. Yeah,
2: and and by the way, we talked about Meltzer hated this match, gave it one and a half stars. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I mean, I'll figure. Okay.
4: Rational speaking, Andrew coming to communicate a wrestling storyline to the masses. Ladies and gentlemen, here is the story of Kane. You may remember this if you were a fan of Kane and Daniel Bryan going to therapy together. <clears throat> well, I grew up locked in a basement, suffering severe psychological and emotional scarring when my brother set my parents on fire. From there... I shifted around a series of mental institutions until I was grown, at which point I buried my brother alive. Twice. Since then, I've set a couple people on fire and abducted various co-workers. Oh, and I uh, once electrocuted a man's testicles. Years ago, I had a girlfriend named Katie, but um, let's just say that didn't turn out so well. My real father is a guy named Paul Bearer, who I recently trapped in a meat locker. I've been married divorced, broke up my ex-wife's wedding and tombstone the priest and for reasons never quite explained I have an unhealthy obsession with torturing Pete Rose you know your homework assignment for next week is to play that segment for Stephanie, I want her reaction stream it live and it's, uh, this is stuff that if you tried to explain it to someone they would look at you like you have nine heads now Credit where it is due to someone we have not mentioned yet. Paul Bearer. Yes. did Everything he possibly could to get this ridiculous storyline over. I mean, you look back at what went into this storyline. Undertaker burns his parents alive. Oh, he's got a brother. Oh, but he told his parents he would never fight his brother, except he burned his parents alive. And oh, here's his brother at Hell in a Cell. And here's his brother ripping apart the roster. Here's the Brothers of Destruction briefly coming together until they get torn apart by Paul Bearer, who turns out to be Kane's real father. None of this made sense. None of it. And rationalizing that it made any sort of sense is a just a tremendous point of in their favor to the guys that are involved in this storyline and the guys that are producing it. We remember the segment on Monday Night Raw Where the lightning bolt strikes the coffin And Undertaker sits up and he says I will walk through the fires of hell To face you Kane You remember that stuff And it's just baffling Looking back on that in hindsight And it really makes you sit back And realize that these guys are really Freaking good at what they do Now This match was no great shakes It was slow You had two big guys lumbering around But from a storytelling perspective It worked If you were watching this match in a vacuum And you didn't necessarily know the storyline machinations that went on You're not going to like the match But from the sake of Get Kane over Taker goes over though For what it was It worked Now Kane being who he is There's a reason that he is one of the few guys In the history of WWF and WWE, who no one has a bad word to that's, say. About. That's a great point. No, you're you right. Look at CM Punk in that interview he did with Colt Cabana, where he badmouthed everybody. He made it a point to say, "No, working with Kane was a night off." That is how you know how respected a guy is behind the scenes. And now Kane is into politics. More power to him for that sincerely hope he's happy not as many bumps in politics as there are you know touring as the big red machine but one final note before we move on because i've spent so much time talking about kane in an unrealistic way (laughs) any list of wrestlemania guest appearances has the same one and two just maybe flip-flopped in order bob uecker is one pete Mm -hmm. rose is the other and pete rose came out And the best thing we can say about any celebrity that's involved in any of this is he got it. He knew exactly what he was supposed to do. He knew what he was there for. And when Kane Tombstone's Pete Rose Kane becomes a hero in Boston Not unlike Bobby Orr And Larry Bird <laughs> It was so good and the crowd Went bonkers and they wound up Having to do some work at the beginning of the match To make Kane the hated Heel I was going to say it was a babyface spot
0: for sure The crowd loved it because it was a babyface kind of a spot So that's the only thing that was weird about the spot But it was just Kane was just crushing everyone You know yeah. at, at, the, at this time And um, I I loved when Kane would come out at this point, and when his music would come out, and then the the fire would hit, and Jr would freak out a lot of the times. You go, I hate that, you know. Just uh, when the when the fire would uh, would come up, and um, a couple other things uh, to mention before we get to the main event, the Taker entrance was awesome, awesome. It it actually took four minutes. An entrance. His entrance took four minutes with all the druids, the torches. This is his seventh WrestleMania appearance. We start like in most of these big man matches with the stare down, lots of strikes early. Um, Yeah, Kane would get would get better and would work better as he got. He's he's still a little green here in spots. You could see, but he's just abusing the taker throughout the match with the ring steps. And then there's that. Unbelievable spot where Taker's kind of making a comeback. Kane's outside the ring in front of the Spanish announce table, and the Taker comes flying over the top rope. Kane jumps out of the way, and he nails the side of that Spanish announce table hard, and then that thing just shatters. I mean, that looked like a nasty bump right on like his like kind of like his hip flexor, like lower back area, and um, we get the tombstone. Um. Let's see Taker barely kicks out He's able to turn things around He ends up tombstoning Kane Kane kicks out and JR is going ballistic Because nobody's ever kicked out of that And I'm trying to think at this point Had we seen anybody Kick out of the tombstone Did Brett do it ever Or did did D- I'm trying to think Was Diesel or Brett Like they would have been the only ones That might have had an opportunity Did I
4: Michaels think- ever do it That would be the only one that I'm yeah,
0: thinking I of. mean maybe at Bad Blood Like I think it was one of those I know they had that weird 96 rumble match with Brett Where he he kind of went toe in toe with Taker for a bit And then they had the 97 But I mean I don't know he, he, we, we hear that a lot and JR might have actually Been right at this point there may not have been Anybody that had kicked out of the tombstone At this point it was one of the most protected moves For sure because Taker was always one of the more Protected uh, period So then um, King uh, J- uh, Jerry the King says that uh Taker's trying to kill Kane as he hits a second Tombstone and then we get the Paul Bear outside the ring damn you Dead man damn you to hell <laughs> Which is just awesome Um Kane kicks out. Taker hits a clothesline from the top of the rope. From the top rope, he goes about halfway across the ring, jumping. I mean, unbelievable athleticism from the dead man here. Hits the third tombstone. He gets the pin, but Kane kicks out like right after the pin. He almost like no sells it. And you mentioned, Darren, right after the match, Kane is almost like in better shape than The Undertaker, who's laying out on the, on the, on the mat can barely get up Paul Bear comes in He hits some of the weakest kicks ever to Undertaker Like barely taps him He tosses a chair to Kane um, Taker ends up hitting Paul Kane gets back up And um, and then they tombstone the Undertaker on a chair And so as Kane and Paul Bear are leaving We get that sit up one more time But he's still He's beaten, he's bruised He was the winner of this match But uh, but Taker is up And we get you know Taker and Kane for years to come would be you know a, a go to Rivalry they'd be you know the brothers Of the destruction they turn back and forth And back and forth many times but This was this was good top to bottom Complete package this was really good And it went Yeah, uh, and,
2: yeah not only that the one thing I forgot uh, When you mentioned the, the third tombstone The taker pin is a hook Leg pin it's a great point He never does yeah Never see so it was It was another thing where it was in order to keep this guy down I can't just fold the hands And do my typical You know rest in peace pin It was a hook leg pin And he still kicked out A split half of a second Or a millisecond after the three That's all part And, and it's, good, it's good writing It's all part of build the monster Even though he doesn't win the match
4: Yeah and one of the things that I forgot about Right before the match They do the stare down and Jr. in my opinion, has the line of the show. He says, you can't say he's a little brother. He's right. a younger brother. Because yeah, yeah. people forget how big The Undertaker was for as good as he could move. But The Undertaker was listed at six foot ten and 328 pounds for a really long time. And Kane had him in height. That's yeah. not something that he'd ever had to deal with before. It was something completely different. And as we've mentioned, you know... In a vacuum, the match isn't all that special. From a storytelling perspective, it worked.
0: And again, just another. So we've gone through the entire show. There hasn't been anything bad, and, and that's what now we're and now we're getting ready for the main event. The the match that the crowd is hot for, as you know. The run of and, and when we talk Mount Rushmore's and 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 the best wrestlers of all time, it's obviously going to be a little bit difficult because, like, you know, what are we talking? Are we talking who was the most over for a short period of time? Are we talking longevity? Are we talking, you know, in the ring, on the mic? So many different things. But when you put them all together, I don't think anybody ever at their peak. I'm talking Hogan, Flair, Goldberg, Rock. You name it, I don't think anybody Was ever as hot As Stone Cold Steve Austin was When he was at his peak, which is right About now, and it was Basically from, really from the time That he, that he quote unquote broke his neck In, in SummerSlam 97 Till, what about 2000 So we're talking about like a three Maybe in 2001, 2002 He, he, he cooled off a little bit And then when he turned heel, but we're talking about Like a three year run um, Before he ends up getting hurt again where this guy is literally on top of the world and he the crowd pops for him are are you know some of the biggest we ever hear this was a main event match where he won the rumble so he's going to face Shawn Michaels for the title at WrestleMania we got um you know Vince is really excited because leading up to this he's got Mike Tyson who's going to be a part of this and then Austin comes out on Monday night raw. And the night that they're going to introduce Mike Tyson, um, he he ruins it. I remember Vince going, You ruined it! You
3: ruined it!
0: He's just screaming, furious. Um, Mike Tyson then aligns himself with DX, with uh with Shawn Michaels and with Triple H. So it looks like heading into this match, the deck is completely stacked against Stone Cold. He's gonna have to deal with, you know, DX, he's gonna have to deal with um, Mike Tyson you know Vince doesn't Want him to win who the hell knows what's going To happen in here I mean this this Was all the makings For just a great great uh, WrestleMania main event and Darren we know Sean was hurt so we don't Get the five star classic that Sean Probably could have could have got But when you hear people talk about This main this match in particular It's I mean it's a lot better than the, than the Common like Theme out there is This is a good This is a fine match This is definitely Four star plus In my opinion it's And with all the bells And whistles going around With how hot the crowd is The the addition of Tyson in there Austin winning his first Belt And this Like what this did Moving forward And then knowing How hurt Sean was I mean This was a damn good match When you take all that Stuff into account
2: Oh yeah I totally agree I mean Sean You know The injury that he That he suffered At the World Rumble When he hit his back on that casket, I think it's two. I think it's two herniated discs and one and one disc that's like completely mm-hmm. crushed. Um, so he's in really bad shape. And the bumps that he takes in this match, you know, despite that, uh, you know, it's it's really incredible. And you could see him at times grimacing. You know, he's he's in pain. Uh, the one thing I will tell you, despite the injuries. I don't think I ever remember Shawn Michaels being as cut up and ripped up. I as, was as just a- gonna say
0: that this is the best Shawn Michaels I've ever seen. Oh. I actually, that's one of my notes too. He was yeah. cut. He was not like the bigger Shawn Michaels we saw earlier in his career, and then later when he came back, he was in good shape. But he was physically, his body was jacked up. I mean, it, and then not big jacked up, but toned. Like he looked good.
2: Oh yeah, yeah, he's. Yeah, I mean, there's. I've never seen him. I, I, I kind of forgot about it, but you don't see Shawn Michaels in this kind of shape really before this, and you don't really see it after. Him. So, despite the fact that you know he he's suffering the injuries that he did, he certainly got himself in shape. There's there's no two ways about it. Unfortunately, we get the terrible intro again from the DX band uh, that we could do without. <laughs> but uh, I mean, that being said. You know, you get Triple H kicked out of ringside, so you know things are already gonna probably go bad. Um, you know, the match starts off as a bit of a brawl, turns into a wrestling match. Sean's bumping like crazy. Um, you know, about third, twelve minutes or so into this match, he, you could tell he starts to slow down. He's he's in a lot of pain. You know, things are things are really getting to him. Uh, the one thing on Austin, man, how, the pop when that glass shatters is just unbelievable, unbelievable. The sound that you get, there's nothing in WWE that I don't think has ever touched that. And I, you could talk about Hogan or whoever you want, but the the instant pop off that glass shatter is is just deafening. Um, you know, and, and you got to remember with Shawn, this is the last time that we see him in the ring for like four years. Yeah, two thousand two. Yeah, right? yeah. So you know, and it's you know, it it's it's kind of sad watching this match knowing that that's the road that, that lies ahead. But, you know, like we talked about, there's a lot going on with Sean here. He's in he's into a lot of things he shouldn't be into. Uh, he's uh, gone down some bad roads. He's not getting along with anybody in the locker room with the exception of, of the clique. Um, and uh, he talks about the fact that, you know, he met a woman, probably saved his life. And, you know, he was uh, basically not a good person at this point of his life. Uh, and I alluded to something in the in the post-match press conference earlier. Um, Austin is speaking, the the media is there and Sean is kind of barges into the press conference not to talk or anything, but kind of just makes his way through the crowd and like slams open the door so that like everything in the press conference kind of stops and turns the attention onto himself one last time. That wasn't like part of the show. That wasn't part of the script. Vince was pissed about it. It was Sean grabbing at this. Time, the at this that's who he was at this time. As yeah, he was, that's who he was. And uh, you know, it, it's just it, it's it's knowing that, looking back on it, you see a lot of it. And you know, with the character and the arrogance and the way that he acted, you know, you you know it's an act. But with Sean, I mean, that's kind of who he was at the mm-hmm. time um i think it's a good match i i would give it a four-star match the tyson stuff is great you know when when he after the match when he when he knocks michaels out you know tyson 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 you know I mean? mm-hmm. tyson, Austin, michael <laughs> you know, i it's, it's just great stuff and uh you know you send the crowd home happy and you put a bow on on what i think is probably in, in the top Third of, of, of all the WrestleManias that, that have gone down to date mm-hmm. The
4: key words Here are knowing how Hurt HBK was Because yeah. if you watch Even the very first segment Where he's coming out Of the dressing room out of the back You can see him walking And it hurts Ginger. It hurt You yep. me to watch him And you could tell he's biting his tongue He knows this is gonna hurt And this is going to hurt really badly. Now, to Sean's everlasting credit, this isn't a case where, okay, we know he's working. We know he's not going to be able to do some of the things that he usually does. He takes all of the bumps, every single one of them. He's going over the top rope. He's going out to the floor. He's going into tables. He does the elbow off the top and he hesitates for just a couple of seconds, and it's almost like George of the Jungle about to go into the tree saying, this is going to really hurt.
0: Brace yourself, buddy. Yeah. yeah. Yeah.
4: That's the way that it worked. Now, Darren, you mentioned this. Neither Shawn Michaels nor Steve Austin likes this match, and I yeah. don't know why. Yeah. For the life of me, I don't get it. For me, this is an easy four stars. I went four and a quarter simply because we know what HBK was going through and just how hot the crowd was for everything both guys were doing. To an extent, I understand that the styles both guys worked weren't a perfect complement for one another, and I also understand that they both had better matches with other guys. See also Brett for both guys. Mm -hmm. But for what this was and what it was supposed to be, this is an A+. Austin goes over clean as a sheet You get Mike Tyson being involved. You get mainstream publicity. Tyson knocks out Shawn Michaels and sends him to the sidelines for four years. For me personally, this hit all of the right notes. The funny thing, and this is something I didn't remember at the time. I didn't remember the crowd in the middle of the match chanting for Evander Holyfield. (laughs) Oh, yeah. 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 and you see JR and, the, and Lawler at, on commentary going, What are these guys chanting? It's Austin yeah. accents. I can't understand a damn thing. <laughs> like, it's just, it's so good. And it was such a perfect way for Austin to get to the top of the mountain where he would stay. It was a perfect way for Sean to exit stage left. And thankfully, he got his act together. Thankfully, we got a second run because. The what ifs from If Sean hadn't gotten hurt at the Royal Rumble Chances are he would not Still be with us today Because he doesn't go to the sidelines He doesn't meet his future wife And Who's to say what happens to him He's probably
0: on pills somewhere He got from an injury Like another injury that he comes back to And he gets hooked and he never changes his mentality You're right it's like a blessing in disguise And this is something that definitely um, Changed his life So, you know,
4: I've got the comparison. Dynamite Kid. Yeah. Yeah.
0: No, you're right. You're, you're, that's a great, I mean, that's a a great point. And I think when Vince, in his head, when he thought about WrestleMania and when he thought about WrestleMania one and what it was, and it was going to be this big show of entertainment and, and, uh, you know, pomp and circumstance and bringing sports entertainment with these mainstream celebrities and this, like, this main event was what he had in his head You know, like years earlier You got the Tyson interaction You got like the, a hot babyface Who's coming up You have like a mainstay for your company Who's going to put him over And end up getting him over here And I mean this is great Just a couple other things to mention And then we'll uh, we'll get your guys' closing thoughts on the uh, on the show, so you know Tyson's the enforcer here. He gets introduced, some major boos for him when he comes out, and then JR does just a great job setting the scene on this is Austin, who he is. He's getting his big chance. He's getting his title. He's fought for this for years, and and Austin gets right in Tyson's face before the match even um, even starts. You get the big entrance for Sean. And then uh, the bell rings and immediately Tyson's like grabbing at Austin's leg So it feels like he's going to be cheating And helping Sean all throughout the match Which we know is going to change in a little bit um, I mean Michael's you mentioned The bumps he's bouncing off the table Austin's working on him outside the ring I thought there was one cool point where uh, I mean being horse racing guys JR calls Sean a thoroughbred Which uh, I definitely had to make note of that one <laughs> They go at it outside the ring um, th- And then they're they're you know Down the aisle for a little while They're in the crowd And the crowd is screaming Austin And JR, his voice is just losing his voice It's getting real hoarse at this point Because he is screaming And um, baseball slide by Sean Kicks Austin onto the announce table Sean tries to lock in the figure four and um, and at this point, it's funny because Jr. and King start getting into it about them cheating. Like they're like about the fight. You could tell because they're they're just like sticking up uh, King, sticking up for Sean, and Jr. sticking up for Austin, and they're going back and forth. Um, and then uh, I mean, this feels like a huge match. Every time Jr. opens his mouth, it just feels like the biggest match ever. We get the ref bump. Both men are down. And then I, I did like the finish spot too. Sean gets a, a, a kip up here. And he hits his flying elbow That's the one you mentioned, Andrew, where he kind of had to stop and cringe Before he he went And then he goes for the sweet chin music Austin ducks, and then he goes for the stunner And Sean dodges it And then Sean goes for the sweet chin music again And Austin blocks it Catches his leg, and then he kind of Gives Sean the, you're done, buddy Kick to the midsection, stunner time Sean sells the stunner Great, the referee's knocked out So Tyson comes in, and I think Tyson's just so excited at this point He gives the fastest count in the history of ref counts here (laughs) And um, he's just pumped To come in and be a part of this all And this is just a fun Fun ending with the big baby face Celebrating and JR screaming Tyson, Tyson, Tyson And one of the final um, You know, shots of Shawn Michaels For a long time, he's in the ring With that uh, Austin 316 shirt Draped on over him So um, I think it depends on how you want to rate a show So like if we talked Wrestlemania 10 We got two awesome matches there Five stars, but the rest is filler Do you? If you're the type of person Who wants, you know, the best Of the best at, on one of your shows You probably like that better, but if you're the type of person Who wants an entire show with nothing That you really have to fast forward through This is the one for you Because this, this would just solid, there's like no down points At all, and I, you both Hit on great points, it's like everything feels Pretty important in this show I forgot how good it was. I absolutely loved it. This was one of my more favorite, like, surprising ones to rewatch because I remember a lot of stuff wasn't bad, but, like, everything was just a little bit better than I remember it being. I really like this a lot. Darren, what are some of your closing thoughts on this show?
2: Yeah, real solid show. It's an easy watch. It's a fun one. You know, I mean, look, we all have a lot of time on our hands now, unfortunately, so if you have a couple hours, it's one of the ones I would definitely watch because it is enjoyable from start to finish. Uh, There is one note that I went over. We were talking about Sean's back. In the two-hour and 26 mark uh, of the the pay-per-view, if you're on the network, there's a spot where Sean uh, hits Austin over the head with with the, uh, the ring bell. And Sean kind of gingerly walks out of the shot. And it focuses on Austin, and then it goes back to Sean. And Tyson walks over and gives Sean a very gentle pat on the the base of his back and Sean screams in pain and grabs his back from that little touch cuz he just like wasn't
0: expecting it
2: you know he wasn't like braced he for it yeah for it. he wasn't expecting it and i mean he he bends over like the uh the announcer table and um, go back and watch it. he screams uh and, and it just goes to show you the the incredible pain that he was in but, yeah, it's a fun show. It's a transition show going from the end of the, quote, new generation to the Attitude Era. You're in that time of the Monday Night Wars where things are starting to swing back in WWE's favor a little bit, and you have the groundwork here heading towards Austin McMahon, uh, The Rock becoming The Rock, Undertaker and Kane. There's a lot of cool things that really you know get, them, get underway with this show. And, uh, and on top of all those storylines, it, it's just a damn good WrestleMania that's really enjoyable. Y'all are
4: welcome. I'm just <laughs> saying. I'm <laughs> nice. taking a this victory lap here. Yeah, this one this- was my idea. It was one of my favorite shows to rewatch. I remember I got into this actually because for a very limited time, I did some tape trading in the late 90s, early 2000s as a kid. And I got this in the mail and obviously I knew what had happened, but I didn't see the matches until a couple of months later. And I remember I about wore the VHS tape out with how good it was. It was just, it had something for everybody. It had something for people of a lot of different ages, a lot of different things that people liked. If you wanted to see two of the biggest stars at some of their respective peaks, you've got Austin and Michaels. If you wanted to see hardcore wrestling, you have Mick Foley and Terry Funk on the New Age Outlaws. If you wanted to see really good-looking women, Darren, who was that woman at the top of the <laughs> show?
2: You get Sunny, yeah, yeah.
4: You get Sable, yeah. and the
0: sex appeal too. It absolutely. is absolutely.
4: It, it was just all in all from start to finish. It was a ton of fun. It's not a long watch, really. Once from bell to bell, it's two and a half hours. There's yep. some filler at the beginning. There's some filler at the end. There's some stuff that you look back and scratch Your head at, but there's a lot Of good here, and it might Well be one of the most Consistent WrestleManias from start To finish in the history of the show
2: This was
0: a really good one Good job, uh, Andrew, uh, picking this one This was a lot of fun watching this one again With you boys, so um, Give us your plugs, and then before you do, Darren Let us know what are we going to be doing for our Homework for uh, for next week's rewatch As we say goodbye
2: Yeah I thought about it throughout the show, and there's there's a show uh, that I really enjoy from a wrestling standpoint an entertainment standpoint, and and the storylines that are going on. For the first time, we are going to diverge from WrestleMania. Uh, nice. I'm going to pick SummerSlam 1991. Nice, it's a good one. It's a good is, one. It's a damn good show. Uh, a classic match between Bret Hart and Mr. Perfect for the IC title. Uh, one of, if not the last appearance of Andre the Giant in WWF. Um, big Boss Man in the Mountie in a really fun Jailhouse match with segments to follow. And then, of course, the match made in heaven, the match made in hell, and all of the stuff going on behind the scenes. Good selection. The Warrior with Macho Moran, Randy Savage. A lot of fun stuff going on. So uh, SummerSlam 91 will be my selection. Uh, you could check me out on Twitter, At the track seven, it's a lousy weekend weather-wise in New York City. So uh, I don't know about Mother's Day, but on Saturday, I'll be hopefully giving out a few winners if I can in the horse racing world.
4: And for me, Twitter is at AndrewChampagne, AndrewChampagne.com, and the Champagne and JD podcast, which I am filming right after this with Joe Nevels, and uh, I'm pretty excited about that. Before we cut out, though, I just want to thank you guys. Um, As a couple of people know, as the news has been going around, it's been a rough week for me. My grandmother passed away due to the coronavirus earlier this week. It's been rough. And as we've mentioned, these Thursdays provide an escape from some of the realities that we have to deal with. This is a highlight of my week, and it's something that Hopefully brings a smile to the face of Everybody it certainly did to me and It was really nice hearing that both of you Enjoyed the show as much as I did So thank you to you both this Has been a lot of fun it's always a lot Of fun but this week it was something That that I certainly needed so thank you Both very much
0: love you buddy man Thanks a lot for doing this every week uh, too, It's really. been a, it's, yeah. it's been a ton of fun so uh, Thank you again Andrew we'll, we'll definitely be thinking about you and uh, thoughts and prayers With your family we uh, we will keep You um, in our thoughts at this uh, at this tough time, thank you so much, buddy. Good luck. Have fun while you record your show uh, a little bit later on tonight. Good luck this weekend with your picks, Darren. We are on the clock now. We're going to be watching SummerSlam '91. So I look forward to talking to you guys again next week. Have a great weekend, fellas. All right, you too, man.
4: Thank Goodbye. you, guys. Appreciate it. Yep.
0: Okay, folks, don't go anywhere. We'll uh, we'll hear from one of the sponsors on that. What that's what G said, and then we'll uh, we'll come right back and close things out. So stay tuned. Thanks to the boys Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali AC, DZ Appreciate you coming on each and every week Having some fun with us As we discuss some old wrestling So I want to talk about a show that I love That came back for season 5 Billions And uh, The Ringer does a really good job recapping it There's a good recap by Miles Suri He kind of gets into it and has a lot of fun with it So if you're looking for know written recap I'm just gonna mention some of the things that I thought were uh, you know fun about this episode so we we start out with the the wedding with uh, Chuck senior remember he's he's in that like Native American community and he's in love now he fathered a child and he is now getting married and this is married hits Chuck this marriage this wedding hits Chuck awkwardly because he and Wendy are about to get ready for divorce Wendy's kind of checked out on him Chuck actually kind of makes a one last um you, you know uh, approach at her uh, for her at the wedding which is really weird that she's even at this wedding for you know the her father-in-law to Chuck who he's, he she's about to divorce Chuck and Chuck's ex is, is even there so that, that that's kind of weird. Um then we see Axe and Wags and they're on this vision quest uh, like Alaska, Canada, and they're on a drug called ayahuasca, which is like a sort of a hallucinogen that's got DMT in it, like super psychedelic. So they're on this like vision quest. When I, I was listening to a podcast with the creators of Billions, and they had said that they, during their time off, they just saw that. Uh, acts the in real life Damian Lewis had this really cool beard and long hair look and they wanted to try to find a way to incorporate it into the season even if it was just for a little bit and that's what they're ending they end up doing here as they show him with his long hair and he's he's just um entered the 10 billionaires club he's he's got 10 billion dollars now so he's uh you know looking for the meaning of life and partying and, and, and having a blast here, but he's got kind of like, it's almost like he's having a midlife crisis because he's not feeling as satisfied as he should because of everything weird that's going on with Wendy and um, and Chuck they're, they're I don't want to say neglecting, but their kid gets shit face drunk at the, uh, at the wedding and the next day You know he's all hung over and, and Wendy's trying to get a hold of, of Chuck and she can't find him Because you know he's in one of those uh, um, S&M places that, uh, that he loves And he gets, he gets out and he opens his phone And he sees all these messages for her So this is kind of the final straw for Wendy She's getting ready for the divorce uh, Chuck's not ready for it But he he's, no, he's not perfect he, He's a jackass Let's be honest Old Giamatti in here. And the the workplace now, Axe Capital, the merger is back. Taylor Mason Capital employees are there. And nobody's getting along. Like the Axe Cap's on one side. Taylor Mason Cap's on the other side. They're all playing pranks on each other. Somebody turned the toilet water inside out. So uh, it flew all back up and it was not a pleasant uh, situation for one of the uh, folks from Taylor Mason Capital But Don't you worry because Wendy's got a plan And Now that he's a 10 billionaire Axe is going to be part of a group And he's um, invited to Vanity Fair To take a picture And for the new Deccas Club And He's got a, a new Rival in the finance world Mike Prince And he just is such a phony Bullshitter, snossagy guy Who seems like everything goes well for him And he just seems like the greatest guy in the world That everyone loves And he's even got his own Assistant Best friend, right hand man And he's named Scooter, he's got his own Wags, and that's, that's named Scooter And Wags and Scooter don't like each other So I look forward to More Mike ax confrontations because ax even discusses that um he's going to join him for a conference and they're going to have a little fireside chat that a lot of people are going to come and watch so this is going to be an opportunity when, for ax to to kind of lay into him and ax gets pissed off because mike ends up getting the cover of vanity fair when it was supposed to be a group cover and mike you could just tell mike's just he's one of those bullshitters that just he knows how to manipulate and play the pieces. So then we get some wrestling and billions. Wendy wants to change the culture a little bit. So she calls up her own friend Becky Lynch, WWE women's champ, Becky Lynch. And she's playing herself. And Becky comes in. And Wendy and Becky, you know, pretend to have a fight that Wendy looks like it, Wendy wins. And they all kind of stop and and see that it's Becky Lynch And they laugh, and then Becky gives them a talk And says, hey listen When you're working in an office, it's like when you're wrestling You need to Put up with some crap sometimes And sometimes you gotta lay down for someone else You're not always gonna be winning Sometimes you gotta put someone over And it weirdly made sense in here And Dan Soder who plays Mafia And is a huge WWE fan He was so pumped You could just see it in his face He he couldn't retent, had, had pretended to be more excited for this So now What's great about this is Chuck and Axe were pretending to be friends Now Chuck is still trying to get at Axe Axe found out about this Taylor came back in because Taylor was supposed to be playing On on Chuck's team To try to get Axe But Taylor wants to just play those two against them So you have these three major figures They're all kind of trying to manipulate the board Against each other And it, it should be setting up for the, this really Really fun Season of Billions Looking forward to that after episode one We'll do some recaps each and every week For Billions, maybe we'll bring on some guests To talk about it with us Speaking of guests, thank you To everyone who joined us this week, Chad Cooper, Andrew Champagne, Darren Zocali, make sure if you can to head on over to iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, um, Google Podcasts, tune in anywhere you get your podcast, subscribe, rate, and review for us. That's going to do it for That's What G Said Podcast. Joey Cleveland, close us out.